Excellent, excellent. But yeah, Todd McShay not covering the draft tonight. It's going to be the Mel Kiper show, man. Absolutely. You know what? Um, I was on ESPN looking at some mock drafts earlier today because, you know, today's the big day. And I noticed he hadn't updated one since like March, mm-hmm. like early March. So I started thinking, does he have the Rona? Rona. And that's what he has, unfortunately. Uh, but no, thoughts out to him and, and his family. I hope he's okay. Uh, obviously, just taking time to, to heal and recover, and, and that's all you can do right now at this point. Uh, next up, how about this? The match, Champions for Charity. Ah, uh, yeah. Tiger and Phil. Tiger and Phil, man. How about this? Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Little foursome right there going to be participating in what is called the the match, Champions for Charity. It's planned for next month, day and time, still to be determined. All proceeds will go to benefit uh, those impacted by the coronavirus. The exact charity has not yet been named that I'm aware of um, in, in lasting the report earlier this afternoon. And that's going down in Florida, right? Yep, in Florida. I, I think this is cool. And, and you know... It's one thing to watch Tiger. It's one thing to watch Phil. But, like, I don't really tune in to watch golf at all. But those two I definitely would tune in to watch, and I always do when Tiger's on especially. I have no problem with I I would love to watch celebrity golf outings. Like, do they? I don't think they put celebrity golf outings on TV. Like, I don't think so either. I wouldn't be tuning in to watch them be good. I, I just think it's fun to watch them interact with one another out on the field. Like, you know, we do the Icky Woods uh, celebrity golf outing. Uh, every year, and it's fun just watching those guys just interact with one another and just seeing them kind of in a different light. I think it would be cool. I think this is neat. Uh, I think if there's not going to be live sports, I think that uh, celebrity golf would definitely be uh, something I would definitely want to tune in for. It's a free-for-all in Florida, man. You can do whatever you want to in Florida. Tom Brady breaking and entering <laughs> into houses, you see that? B&E for Tommy Boy. He's just playing dumb. Like, oh, I had no idea, officer. <laughs> I had no idea. It's amazing. Yeah, how about this? On this uh, story number three, again, it's the Justin Kinder Show type headlines as we get things rolling here. A-Rod and J-Lo have retained J.P. Morgan to represent them in raising capital for a possible bid to buy the New York Mets. Who are some of the crazier celebrity owners out there? I mean, J- Jeter's not a celebrity owner. He's a former athlete, but, right. you know, played with A-Rod. I think that's interesting, you know, t- in the same division at that, so that would be kind of interesting. I believe she's a partial owner of she? the Dolphins. Her, too? Yeah, her and Serena, I believe, are partial owners of the Dolphins. Now, Kevin Hart doesn't have any stock in any teams, right? Like, what are some of the... I mean, we know Drake, but does Drake... Drake doesn't have ownership either. The, the no, Toronto. I know Usher has ownership in the Cavs. A lot of people own the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Interesting, nonetheless. But, uh, I mean, look, you know, you're just... I mean, that's a power couple right there. They're kind of combining resources, combining revenue, and going to go and buy the Mets. And, good, and, look, I think they'd be in good hands. Like, whatever your opinion is of, of Alex Rodriguez, bottom line is he has a good business mind and good baseball mind on top of that. I think that's a win. I think it's a win for the Marlins right now to have Derek Jeter kind of running their stuff. I know that it's been a disaster. He basically, you know, got dumped everybody. But that's been like a Marlins philosophy even back before Derek Jeter took over. Um, but I think when you have, and it doesn't always work. Look, Michael Jordan in basketball, I, you know, you would think one of the best basketball minds out there. Um, he just makes wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision when it comes to the NBA draft with his team. So it doesn't always equate that, but I do believe that you take the, the business argument of A-Rod and then also the baseball mind that he has. I think it could be a good thing for the Mets. Uh, you might see more of this, too. You might see more celebrity power couples or just more celebrities, former athletes, start buying 
tying into teams. Um, you've already seen it. In the yeah, past. I got. Here we go. Some information. Um, let's see. Nelly owns parts of the Hawks. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Um, I was gonna say Bobcats, but he bought part of it when it was the Bobcats. Now it's the Charlotte Hornets, obviously owned by Michael Jordan. Um, let's see. Stephen Ross, who owns 95% of the Miami Dolphins. The other 5% is split up between Jennifer Lopez and her ex-husband, Mark Anthony. Also, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas, Gloria Estefan, and tennis players Venus and Serena Williams. So that's more frequent than you think. Yeah. I bet you some people don't know a lot of these. I know I didn't. I know. How is that list just for, for that, or does it have other Oh, uh, Let's see. Looks like Matt Damon owns part of the Clippers. And see, it's not the it's not the uh, the teams in the cities you think that they would own them in too. They're just trying to find any avenue to be able to buy some stock in. So good for them. Good seats are usually well not anymore with the Clippers being as good as they are. Right. Interesting nonetheless. Again, Arod and J Lo both uh, have retained J P Morgan to represent them in raising capital for a possible bid to buy the New York Mets. And story number four as we kick things off here on the Justin Kinner Show. It's the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. Former Purdue center Matt Harms. Did I say his name right? Probably not, but I know you How do you what? H-A-A-R-M-S. Big Harms. Big Skinny. Big Skinny. There we go. Big Skinny. Come up with nicknames for people. I don't know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> Big Skinny, former Purdue center. Uh, again, nation's top available transfer no longer available. He has... Landed at BYU. Really? Picked BYU over Kentucky and Texas Tech. Mm. Must not want to play defense. I get. I mean, when you when I read the article, he goes on to have a quote saying that it just of all the three that he went and visited, there was just something about that that he just felt the most comfortable. He he clicked with the guys and with the coaches, and uh, interestingly enough, that's where he ends up. Again, big name transfer to big name transfer. The you know the thing is that there's hundreds and hundreds of kids' names in the transfers. Just some a lot of the top ones are off the board. I expected to see more traffic towards the Dayton Flyers. I thought that with everything they accomplished last year, that that would make them a little that their name would be a little bit more front of mind awareness. Um, these are all good programs that these kids are transferring to. UD is a good program as well, but I just thought that maybe a little of the recent recency bias would kind of play a role in maybe the top of mind awareness of some of these transfers to transfer UD. Maybe the fact that you know you haven't been able to physically get the kids on campus when you just hear that yeah. it's Dayton. Maybe you already have a you, you know you've already made up your mind, but not being able to get the kids on campus too could have possibly had an impact. But you watch the team on TV. You you know you have the national coach of the year, number three in the country last year. Anything that you're telling yourself can't be done at Dayton, Dayton proved that it can be done. So I'm a little surprised that there has not been more more momentum uh, as far as the players transferring to UD, but there's still a lot of time left. So. Any word on Luther Muhammad from Ohio State? I thought he ended up with, uh, with uh, oh man, not UConn. Where did he end up? That's going to drive me nuts. Type that in. Google machine. Hey, Google. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what we need on this show, just to, hey, Google, and that way can answer it for us. I thought he just transferred. I mean, Arizona Cart State. Arizona State, so with Hurley. That's right. Okay, so, but Carton ended up at Marquette. Right. I knew about that one. I didn't know. You know, oh, I mean, this was last week. Hey, where was I? Yeah. And it was fairly quickly, but those are some good players that were taken off the board fairly quickly that I thought maybe UD can land one or two. You never know. But there's still some good players out there. We'll keep an eye on how that goes. And that is the Justin Kinner Show. Top headlines, 457-9464, for NFL Draft tonight, and let's hear that chime again, that beautiful NFL Draft <laughs> chime. <laughs> ah, there we go. With the first pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, your Cincinnati Bengals select, Chase Joe Young. Burrow. 
Chase, Chase Young. Young. Oh yeah, that throw a big old wrinkle. <laughs> came out today. You know the Bengals right now are waiting. They're not making anything official because they they want to provide that experience for Joe Burrow by giving you know allowing him to receive the phone call. Whatever. It sounds all cute and adorable. He's been a Bengal since the season ended. Man, that's all I care about at this point. Um, we've talked about it so much that when it finally does happen, it's like okay, well now what? Now this is the pro- it's Christmas Day. And Bengals fans are the little kids who are running down the stairs and they see the presents wrapped under the tree. And you are running to the Christmas tree here this morning on Christmas Day. You open up your presents. It's Joe Burrow. You're so excited. But now you got to put them back in the bag and you gotta, you got to wait. You can't, you can't play with your new toy. you just got to wait and wait and wait. And maybe even wait a lot longer than you want to with not knowing really what's going to be going on in sports uh, moving forward. But regardless... Like I told you yesterday, I'm just a little bummed that the draft is today just because I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I know that once it starts, it's about to be over, and then it's back to, well, now what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So nonetheless, big night tonight in the NFL draft. A lot of big questions that we're going to get to. On the other side of the break, we talked about Todd McShay. Unfortunately, will not be covering the NFL draft for ESPN tonight as he is at home recovering as he tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, But Mel Kuyper did put out his, uh, his last mock draft. His last mock draft, we're going to go through that. A lot of surprises on there. Uh, Will J.K. Dobbins go in the first round? Uh, Where will Tua end up? What about Jordan Love? I'm a big fan of him. He's kind of grown on me over the last uh, week or two, just kind of following the draft process as far as he's concerned. So we'll get into that coming up. Again, the Bengals on the clock. They have the number one pick. The Redskins, the second pick. The Lions at three. The Giants, four. And then there's the Dolphins at five. How about the Dolphins? Very aggressive in trying to pursue the number one pick from the Cincinnati Bengals. But I give uh, Duke Tobin, I give Zach Taylor, I give Mike Brown, whoever's pulling the strings over there, I give them credit. They weren't enticed by the multiple first-round picks that were offered to them. They they stood down pat. What was the offer? uh, No set offer that I'm aware of off the top of my head. It was multiple first-round picks. Multiple first-round picks. Multiple first-round picks. I, I, I think the Bengals made the right decision to stick with Joe Burrow. It's not like... Like, okay, let's say let's say Joe Burrow was not in this draft, and Tua Tagovailoa is the next big name on there. You could say Justin Herbert, but I'm going to say Tua. Tua, had, you have a little bit of hesitation there because of the injuries. If you're offered that many picks that they want him that bad, I think you've got to entertain it. But Joe Burrow, it's more than just the potential talent. I mean, Joe Burrow is going to do something in Cincinnati that has, that has not been done in over a decade, and that's at least give this organization a glimpse of hope. The second that you hear Joe Burrow's name be drafted tonight – it is going to be a total just reset in Cincinnati as far as expectations moving forward. And it doesn't mean expectations to win 9-10 games this year. It's just going to be the expectations of, man, finally we're going to be a, a draw in the NFL. People are going to want to tune into us. People are going to want to watch us. People are going to want to play us and want to beat us. And want to. And that's, that's, the, that's what Joe Burrow does for Cincinnati. It's a perception thing, and it's a credibility thing. And I think that's something that they have lacked, especially with Andy Dalton, at quarterback. We'll step away for a few moments. When we come back, we'll take a look at Mel Kuyper's latest and final mock draft before the first round of the NFL draft kicks off tonight. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Coming up at 4 o'clock, 1410 Wing Live, Solomon Wilcox, former Cincinnati Bengal, joined me today on 1410 Wing Live. 
earlier this afternoon on social media on our Facebook page. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Use the search ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Uh, that way you can like us and follow all the live shows that we do every day, either at 11 a.m. or noon. Uh, we do a live interview with a special guest on some of the top topics going on, some of the top headlines going on in the world of sports. Today with the NFL draft kicking off, we had Solomon Wilcox on to discuss some of those top headlines that you know involve your Cincinnati Bengals. What should the Browns do with that number 10 pick? Uh, me and him discussed whether or not it makes sense for the Browns to pursue Trent Williams. Is he worth giving up a first-round pick for? We got to all of that with Solomon Wilcox earlier today. We'll have that interview coming up for you at 4 o'clock. So if you missed it, don't worry. We got you covered. We'll be covering that coming up at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, and make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at 1410Kenner. Uh, I know with you know a lot of NFL focus right now with the NFL draft, but uh, I caught up with Marty Brenneman the other day. He's going to join me tomorrow on 1410 Wing Live at noon. So make sure you uh, get to our Facebook page at noon tomorrow. You follow me on Twitter at 1410Kenner. My interview with Marty Brenneman, he's going to join us live. And the cool part about this is, is when you tweet us during the interview, if you leave a comment on the Facebook Live video, uh, I'll be able to drag your question into the broadcast and Marty can uh, be able to answer your questions. So make sure that you are not just liking us on Facebook, but you know checking back regularly, being involved in the broadcast, and you can literally be in lo- involved with the broadcast uh, with your questions being read live uh, throughout the show. So take advantage of that. If you've missed them, we're going to be putting them up on the website here shortly. Uh, we had Tommy Thrall, the, vo- the radio voice of the Reds, on the other day. Uh, Solomon Wilcott's today. Keith Byers joined us earlier as well to share his M- NFL draft day experience and what it was like you know, being with his family, getting the call from the Eagles, all the way back in all the way back, he'll kill me for saying that. <laughs> all the way back in 1986, uh, you know, I was negative three. Uh, by the way, I was negative three years old back in 1986 when Keith Byers was drafted number ten overall by the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round. So, really cool stuff there. All that will be available at Wing AM. Dot com. NFL Draft tonight. The Bengals have the number one pick. So we're looking forward to the NFL Draft coming up later tonight. So let's take a look at Mel Kuyper's latest and last final mock draft before all the fun begins later tonight. No surprise, Kev. And by the way, Justin Kinner with you here. Kev Nash working the phones. Give him a call at 457-9464. Kev wears a lot of hats here in this building. Keeping me in check is the number one responsibility <laughs> that he has. Um, I don't think in your contract it says you get a raise for that, but if when it comes to that time, you need to say, hey, if I have to deal with Kenner every day, I need need some extra pennies. Duly noted. When you say pennies, I'm like, oh, pennies? Oh, we got plenty of pennies. We got... <laughs> We'll give you no two dollars, though. Two pennies. Eventually, these will add up to a whole dollar here. Uh, but with that being said, Joe Burrow, number one to the Bengals. Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. No surprise there. Yeah. Um, tonight, you know what's going to tick me off tonight is when I start seeing, getting on social media, on Twitter and stuff, and we start seeing breaking news. Bengals take – that's not breaking news. It's not breaking – folks, I'm, here's breaking news. Breaking news, Bengals trade back into the draft and give up the rights to Joe Burrow. That's breaking news. That's shock. That's all. The Bengals taking Joe Burrow number one overall. That's not breaking news. So news outlets, other please do your best. Do not put any breaking news out tonight <laughs> that the Bengals took Joe Burrow. That's a given. Okay. Because the Dolphins do have picks 5, 18, and, and 26. 26. Yep. So you mean to tell me they were offered multiple first-round picks? Multiple first-round picks. And they didn't budge? They shouldn't. Now, do you think they should? I think I it's mean, a case-by-case basis, but I think Burrow... It's not just about getting a good quarterback. It's a it's a franchise-defining quarterback. Justin Herbert's not a franchise-defining quarterback. I think Tua, if healthy, might have been a different conversation, but I don't think he has that aura to him anymore. I think Joe Burrow does. Trevor Lawrence will have that about him next year. I think Justin Fields has a chance to play his way into that role, too. I mean, next year's draft, 
if you have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields to pick from, I think you're in pretty good hands, and I'm probably missing some obvious quarterbacks out there as well. Five and eighteen. Five and eighteen. You're talking about their record if they take it. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You give up the number one pick to get the fifth and the eighteenth pick, and probably something later in the draft, you can grab you a Tua, and you can grab you something else. They need a lot. Look, they we've seen what they can do when they have really good defenses, when they have really good offensive players, but we've also seen what they could do with average quarterback play, and that's been Andy Dalton. So, like, let's say you settle for a Justin Herbert. The Bengals say, okay, you know what? I'll take your five and your 18, and you can have one, and uh, we'll take Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, I'm not comparing him to Andy Dalton, but I'm comparing it to the the dull factor. The He doesn't have that it factor. Andy Dalton never had the it factor. He showed glimpses and signs of being a guy that's capable of playing at a high level. Too inconsistent. There was a lot of limitations. A lot had to go right for the Bengals to win and win big with him. With that being said, Joe Burrow brings a different kind of edge to the table. He brings a little bit of a different aura to the table. So they had that great defense that they put around Andy Dalton. You had A.J. Green. You had great wide receivers. You had you know great running game. You had everything you needed to win. Five straight playoff appearances. But Andy Dalton was always just that limitation. Injuries played a role in some seasons. I get it. But Joe Burrow, now that's a difference maker right there. Like I mean, if, if A.J. Green could be as effective as he is with Andy Dalton, if Joe Burrow lives up to even a fraction of what he's supposed to be in Cincinnati... A.J. Green could have another three years that are better than what he's already accomplished to this point. So who knows? But I'm just saying, I think that Joe Burrow provides more than just the, well, can we win with him? It's, oh, we can win, and we can win at a high level with him. Justin Herbert's kind of blah. Andy Dalton's blah. Joe Burrow, the real deal. So you don't think there's a way that they would draft Tua if they traded back? It would be Justin Herbert? But the business side of this says, too, will people flock to get season tickets for Justin Herbert? No. No. They would for Tua, though. I don't. Bengals fans are so high on Joe Burrow that there's no way I believe that they would be high on Tua. Really? Mm. I believe so. Okay. I mean, four five seven nine four six four Bengals fans, help me out. Look, I'm on your side. I know I don't sit say <laughs> Bengals fan sides too often. I think they made the right choice. I know it sounds crazy. Hey, you get multiple first round picks, you got to at least entertain it. They stuck to their guns. They said absolutely not. We're sticking with Joe Burrow. I don't think there is a package out there to justify them giving up that first round pick or that first overall pick. I think that the Bengals made the right decision. So you think that Joe is head and shoulders above Tua? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Because, of, for one, it's just the mental peace of mind of, again, he can get hurt. I know I get tired of when people say, oh, the health factor, the health factor, but I'm also a realist in looking at Look, the felt ha- the health factor is a real thing. It's that is the in the back of the mind of every GM out there, of every scout that's out there, um, and, and that visual of him not even taking that hard a hit. That wasn't a. It's not like he got crushed when he, you know, when that happened to his hip. That visual's not going away. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be the problem. So, okay. uh, Paulie, the Bengal fan says I'm not high on Joe Burrow. I haven't opened up the rest of the message, but that's how it starts. So there's one Bengals fan that's not super high on Joe Burrow. Or or is Joe Burrow being overhyped? I don't believe he is. I, I really don't believe he is. I think that he will be to Cincinnati what Baker Mayfield was to Cleveland. And it's that savior type mentality. You know what? Everybody from Ohio knows how athletic Joe Burrow really is. 
he's better be ready to use that athleticism with the Bengals. Four five seven nine four six four. Now I don't know if you mean use that athleticism to get rid of the get to escape a pass rush because that offensive line is suspect. Ding 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 ding. Uh, but man, it's going to be key. Look, they have to focus on improving that offensive line. I look, they spent 150 million dollars this past offseason. I get it. That's they've improved themselves dramatically, uh, dramatically, but at the same time. They're still last place in that okay, division. So you might as well draft someone that's going to give you that hope and opportunity to become that playoff team and to become bigger uh, come the future. And I don't think that that's Justin Herbert. Tua, again, could work out. But when you have the number one overall pick, look, if you pick three or four or five, drafting Tua is safer. But at number one, you don't draft Tua. You don't draft Tua. But you're not arguing that. You're arguing to trade back and then take Tua later. Yeah, buddy. I don't know. Who we got? We got Chris on the line. What's up, Chris? Welcome in, man. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So I heard you say trading the first pick for their three and their 13 with the Dolphins, right? Uh, they have a five and 16. Or yeah, five, five and 16. 16. Yeah. yeah, trading for the five and the 16. Uh, why, I think five, and five and 18. Five and 18, 18 my bad. bad. We're all over the place. Five and, it's not like a bingo parlor. I'm not a Bengals fan, but I think that'd be a great trade because then I think you could toy with that. Towards that uh, 18th pick, and your uh, 33rd pick, and try and get one of the top three or four people to trade out of their spot. And then you can get Tua and a really good defensive player or something else. You end up with two top five picks there. And there's a lot of people wanting to trade out of that four spot and that three spot. Yeah, so, I mean, you got the Lions up there and everything. And look, no, I'm with you on that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that I don't think we're comparing Joe Burrow's talent to Tua's talent, or at least I don't think that's what the Bengals are doing at this point. I think with Joe Burrow, it's right now you have a lot of season ticket holders who are waiting just to go crazy the second that they draft him. He's a, it's, he's a draw, and I don't know, and I love Tua, don't get me wrong. I just don't know if Tua's a draw in Cincinnati. I think a lot of Bengals fans would be upset if they did not go the route of drafting Burrow tonight at number one. No, I get that, but my thing is, I'm a Browns fan. I'd like to see Joe Burrow go anywhere but the Bengals, and I just hope Mike Brown's listening. You sound scared, man. You say, sound like you're scared of Joey B. I'm not scared of him. I just don't want to see his career get ruined. <laughs> and see, when you see, when people say that, they get you know Bengals fans get super upset and they start ripping people. But you know, I the organization has not done enough for anybody to trust them. I don't get how they fooled Bengals fans into trusting that organization. But at some point, you got to be happy with what you have. And right now, the Bengals are very fortunate to be in position to get a guy like Joe Burrow. Um, and we'll see what they do with it. They have a chance now to put all the critics, you know, to prove them wrong. And if they fail with Joe Burrow, then there's really no helping them at that point. I'll be all right. Even they're going to call him the Tiger King, and then when they start losing, they're going to blame Carol Baskin. <laughs> well, that, who's Carol Baskin in the AFC North? That has to be the Cleveland Browns, man. That, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys have a good day. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate the call. Four five seven nine four six four. Paul on Facebook says that he's not high on Joe Burrow. I think that he'll succeed in the. I, I do not think that he'll succeed in the Mike Brown system and organization. Nothing is going to help. Burrow will get hurt and or not succeed. Yikes. So that's Paulie the Bengal fan right there. But yeah, Bengals fans, look, I came in all pumped up ready for Joe Burrow, and I'm getting a lot of people calling and saying, no, Joe Burrow is, you know, is Joe Burrow being overhyped? I don't think he is. You know, it's the fact that he's from Ohio. I mean, that's what people keep waving that flag. You know, mm-hmm. this is a big deal tonight. I think it's a big deal. It's a huge deal, obviously. Uh, anytime you go number one at anything. But the Bengals, they're 
they have a lot of pressure on them. They had a lot. Of, I mean, they had a lot of critics. They had a lot of people come after their organization, uh, and I think they were factual on a lot of the criticisms about the Bengals organization, about them not being willing to go that extra mile to put a winning product out on the field. For five years, we talked about no offensive. You know, for a weak offensive line. For five years, we talked about the undisciplined uh, team that was under Marvin Lewis. They finally switched coaches, but then they hire a guy that has zero head coaching experience and wasn't even a coordinator. So. You know, forgive me, but I'm sorry, but the Bengals have done themselves zero favors in regards to trying to, you know, put out the perception that they are a functional organization. You get Joe Burrow tonight, you go get a player like Joe Burrow, of course he's going to make, you know, he's going to make things be perceived as if they're not a dysfunctional organization. But again, when the games get here, mm-hmm. and when, it's com- when it comes time to have to perform and to succeed, then it's going to be a different, you know, animal at that point. And if Joe Burrow fails... That's going to be horrible for the Bengals because that'll just be that'll feed the narrative of oh look they ruined another career even though I don't think they've ruined quarterbacks I I disagree with people who say that they didn't ruin Carson Palmer Carson Palmer developed into a really good NFL quarterback what they did to Carson Palmer was is they defeated his drive to want to continue to fight because they weren't giving him more weapons he was saying hey we're so close I would like this tra- you know make this trade make this move sign this guy move this guy and they did not want to make that extra move to better the team. I have no problem with that. Why people hate him is beyond me because you should want a guy like that on your team. Mm-hmm. When your organization makes bonehead decisions, you should want players on your roster that are going to call them out. And the fans chose the boneheaded ownership over the player that was calling him out for the bogus stuff that has been putting him in this position for how long now? But... To the Bengals' defense, they didn't ruin Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was really, really good, which ultimately led to him wanting out because he felt he wasn't getting enough help around him. Andy Dalton, not the best quarterback out there, but they won with him. It's not like he failed in Cincinnati because they weren't helping him. I just think that he was an above-average quarterback that had hit his ceiling that wasn't going to go any further than where he had already taken the Cincinnati Bengals. 457-9464. Take your reaction on Twitter. Take your reaction on the phone as well. Um, and, and go from there. All right, uh, let's go back to the NFL mock draft here with Mel Kiper. We got way off topic. I don't even know yeah. how. We, I mean, all I tr- all I said was <laughs> Mel Kiper has Joe Burrow going number one to the Bengals, and boom, here we are. So Joe M- Mel Kiper, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, no surprise there. There you go. Chase Young to the Washington Redskins, basically picks one and two. They've been. They've been consistent for mu- for weeks now. Uh, we figured that those were going to be the top two. How about this one though? Who do you think is going number three to the Lions? Man, it was Jeff keep, Okuda for the longest time. I keep thinking that they're going to do the right thing and go for Tua. I mean, they have to, right? Like, I know Pam doesn't think so. Pam, Pam, Pam. No, she loves some Matt Stafford, but they got to like start thinking for the future. I would go with Tua. They are not going with Tua. They are going defense, but they are not going Jeff Okuda. I thought that they would either go quarterback. Uh, I thought they would go Jeff Okuda or quarterback, and I'm a little thrown off by this. This is the first change to this selection right here that I've seen. With the Lions, Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn. Wow. So, interesting. No Isaiah right Simmons there. in that spot. Isaiah Simmons dropped. Jeff Okuda dropped significantly. Which, wow. In, which is interesting to me. And, again, Mel Kuyper is adjusting these based on conversations that he is having with inside personnel uh, you know, within these organizations. So Mel Kuyper in his la- latest and final mock draft before the first round of the NFL draft kicks off later tonight, Derek Brown, a defensive tackle out of Auburn, going to Detroit. The New York Giants, another surprise here. Do you think, who do you think that they would go after? You know, they've taken Saquon Barkley uh, two years ago. They got the running back two years ago. You got, you know, Daniel Jones last year. Right. 
I mean, you, you would want to get more receiver, maybe, yeah. but that's not where but they're going with this. I don't think a receiver should go that this high. I don't think a receiver is worthy enough to go in the top ten this year. Um, so I would. I thought that's where. I don't, I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> that's where Tristan Wirfs comes in, offensive okay. tackle out of yeah. Iowa. Yeah. And yeah. this guy shot up the board because he was not in the top ten for many many drafts. He was not in the top ten, so it's very interesting that that's where so the Giants kind of flip flop with the offensive tackle from Louisville. Yes, huh? who fell out of the top ten as well. Okay. Uh, who was not even going to the Browns according to him with that tenth pick. Wow. Number five, the Miami Dolphins taking Tua Tagovailoa. And many people thought that the Chargers would do that uh, if he was available. I think it's look the Dolphins get to pick between Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I think they they throw a curveball. I think that they could potentially trade back from that or try and trade up. Maybe I mean I don't see the purpose in flip flopping with the Giants. I don't think that there's a guy there that that the Giants would take that the Dolphins really want. I think they take Tua, uh, and I think that's going to send Justin Herbert from Oregon to the Chargers. But if I'm the Chargers, I don't draft mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. No. That's a boring pick. If that's where you go, call Cam Newton at that point. Yep. You go call Cam Newton at that point because you're taking a chance. You're moving to L. A. You, you you don't do that. So, again, Tua Tagovailoa going to number five to the Dolphins. This is Mel Kiefer's latest and final mock draft. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers taking Justin Herbert out of Oregon. That's a very underwhelming pick if you're the Chargers when you consider the fact that you're moving to L.A. All right, you have Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback right now. I mean, I, I don't see Justin Herbert beating out Tyrod Taylor for the starting spot. And I'm telling you, the Chargers do not want Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback to kick off the season in L.A. I just don't see that. So if I, Cam Newton, on the phone with Cam Newton, if I'm the Chargers, I maybe look to trade that pick. Cam, give Cam a call. That's all I got to say. How about the Carolina Panthers? All right, Isaiah Simmons went from being the Giants. I thought the Giants yeah. would have taken Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Isaiah Simmons dropping back to the Panthers. I like that pick. You know, it is what it is. So Isaiah Simmons to the Panthers, uh, outside linebacker from Clemson, going number seven. Uh, I always say Willis is, or Wills Jr., offensive tackle out of Alabama, going number eight to Arizona. Again, good for them. You can always tell the teams that are – the teams with boring drafts are the teams that are getting more comfortable with who their, what their mm-hmm. identity is. If you're drafting offensive linemen, that's probably a good thing because that means you feel comfortable with who's at quarterback. Yep. The fact that the Giants um, are going off- offensive tackle at number four, that shows right there that, hey, look, we'll spend money to improve our defense, but we got to protect Daniel Jones. So I don't like protecting your quarterback through the draft. I think if you have a one hole on your line and you want to fix it with the draft, that's one thing. But trying to build a line in the draft I don't think is smart when you only have your franchise quarterback that you drafted for four years after the rookie deal. So I don't know how I feel about that. But, again, Arizona, they have obviously Kyler Murray. You went out and got Hopkins. You know, protect him. Yeah. The kid, he, he can move like Lamar, but he has a better arm. So we'll see what he can do in year two. But he looked pretty good in year one, i tell you that much. And, I, and people last year, I remember that. I said if Kyler Murray, because the only way he was going to go number one overall is if the Cardinals were right there. Because mm-hmm. after the Cardinals had that pick, I don't think the Giants were going to be interested in taking him. Uh, he could have potentially fallen back. I said if Kyler Murray would have been available at number 10 or 11 or wherever the Bengals were, they, they should have taken Kyler Murray last year. Bengals fans said, oh, no, he's horrible. He's horrible. Absolutely not. <laughs> No, he was not horrible. He looked pretty damn good. We'll see how good he looks in your quarterbacks run the league, man. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars, here's where it gets interesting. They could be the ones that look up and say, hey, you know, they could benefit from the fact that the Chargers might want to, you know, drop back. Do the Chargers drop back and trade with the with the – uh, with the Jaguars, you know, they could potentially... Who's the defensive tackle that the Browns were looking to, to trade for? Um, I always mispronounce his last name. Either way, pointless at this point. 
Could the Chargers trade back with the Jaguars? Jaguars take Justin Herbert. Chargers sign Cam Newton. And there you go. Not bad. That could be a possibility right there. But Jeff Okuda, cornerback out of Ohio State, going number nine to Jacksonville, according to Mel Kuyper. V. Ohio State. I don't mind. Mel, uh, Jeff Okuda going number nine, that don't bother me. Yeah. Taking him number four, no offense to him. It's the position I'm not a big fan of taking in the top five. I'm not a fan of. So I, I like that pick right there if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Uh, I thought that they would have taken the, you know, I've seen Becton out of Louisville. I mean, we've seen some, you know, the Iowa kid, of course, ended up going number four to, to the Giants. There, there's some possibilities there if you're the Browns, but also the Trent Williams debate will continue to go on. Do you draft an offensive lineman that you don't know what you get, or do you say, hey, you know, we might be overpaying to get Trent Williams? But, but you know what you get. But you know what you get, and we need to stop acting like the Browns are trying to draft for the future. Their their future, you know, what their future is? Two years. Yep. Their future is now. Their future is in the next two years. They have to win in the next two years. So who cares if Trent Williams is on the older side, past 30? That's okay. That He's still in his prime. He's still playing his best football. Take advantage of the Trent Williams playing his best football. You add him there with Conklin. That's two great additions to that offensive line. Protect Baker Mayfield. Create some big gaps and holes for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. All right, put, put yourself in position to win. I have no problem. The Browns are in a win-now mode. If they were rebuilding or if they still were a couple years away, I, they're not a couple years away. They're a couple moves away, and I'm not joking on that. They're a couple moves away from being able to win that division, and that's not the Browns' homer in me. That's just common sense, assuming that Baker Mayfield takes that next step. Because if he doesn't take that next step, then all of this is just pointless at this point. And then we're going to be talking about Case Keenum by the end of the year, and that's going <laughs> to really piss me off. So that's your top ten as far as the mock draft looks like for Mel Kiper, his final mock draft that he put out. We'll pick up with this because will there be a couple more Buckeyes in the first round? At least one? There's one in particular I'm keeping an eye on a particular team that I think will be interesting to see what they do as far as this Buckeye is concerned. We'll get to that next. More of the Justin Kinner Show when we come back. Back to the Justin Kinner Show right here on on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Fourteen ten wing live coming up here in fifteen minutes. Solomon Wilcott. Earlier today, we caught caught up with the former Cincinnati Bengal and were able to discuss his thoughts heading into tonight's kickoff of the first round of the NFL Draft. The Cincinnati Bengals have the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Uh, of course, that's where he's going to end up. Another piece. I don't care if it if it helps them get another big name on the defensive side. If that's what it takes to give up for Trent Williams, and I'm saying that very well aware that they are giving up more than they probably should to get Trent Williams. But I do believe that Trent Williams' value is maximized more for the Browns because of the short window that they have to win. I don't think right now, like, here, the Browns are going to have to hit reset here in, in about a year. And what I mean by reset is, is they're just going to have to reshuffle the direction that they're going in. I give the new front office credit for when they came in and said, you know what, we're not going to move OBJ, we're going to go all in. In fact, we're going to go all in on protecting Baker Mayfield. They go out and get Conklin. Okay, So if, let's say, you go out and do draft Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle to Georgia. It's not the end of the world, don't get me wrong, but I don't like that when you have a short window to win that you're taking a chance on hoping that the offensive lineman that you drafted pans out. That's why I would rather, much rather them go and take that pick and turn it into someone that you know what you get with him. Could he have health issues? Yes. But that's that's up to them to do their homework to make sure that that's you know something that they could possibly uh, you, you know get over. I'm not sure, but the bottom line is is if there's a way that they could take that pick and turn it in to Trent Williams, they need to do it. They need to do it. I do not. I mean, if the Browns draft Andrew Thomas tonight, that's great. But I feel like you're putting a lot of risk into hoping that he pans out. 
and you have a short window to win. The Browns went the direction of Baker Mayfield with OBJ, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry. That's the direction that they're going in. But it's not one that they're going to be able to afford. We're talking about Joe Mixon talk, you know, potentially sitting out for the Bengals. That's going to be Nick Chubb a year from now. He might be demanding an extension. And if he doesn't get it, he could potentially sit out. The Browns would then be in a position to say, all right, Kareem Hunt, what are you asking for? You asking for less money than Chubb? All right, we're going to go with Kareem Hunt and then move on from Chubb. You, you, you don't know. I think that the running back position right now, and that's something I talked about with Solomon Wilcox earlier today, there is buyer's remorse galore throughout the NFL. The, the Chargers, um, you know, they, didn't, they did not put themselves in position to have that buyer's remorse with Melvin Gordon. They stuck to their guns, and they look a lot smarter, and they look a lot better for doing so now. They're in a lot more flexible position moving forward. But you look at the Dallas Cowboys. I think there's some, obviously, as Solomon Wilcox said earlier today, buyer's remorse. All right, it didn't pan out the way that they thought. They're not getting the value in return that they thought they would get for the dollar that they pitched in. Uh, you look at the Rams; they go all out for Todd Gurley, and then they don't. Gurley's not even a Ram anymore. All right, so all these teams that are forking over all this money—you know—the you look what the Panthers just did, uh, obviously with McCaffrey. You know, it, it looks good. It sounds good now. You look at the years that he has had, but every time that a team has invested mightily into their running back position, there has been that buyer's remorse. Kev, help me out. When's the last time a team went all in on a running back and it panned out well? And I'm not, like, I know where you sit on this, but I guess I'm curious. I get why you say that the Panthers should have signed McCaffrey to that amount, but when's the last time that it's worked out in recent history? I can't think of a time. I can't think of one. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um... I have to think about it. So when running backs, so when teams, you know, when critics go after teams for doing that, there's going to be tough decisions. To, to sum up, the Browns are going to have tough decisions to make here in the next two years, in the next year. They're going to have to decide if we're going to extend Chubb. I do not think that they should. I think that as good as Chubb is, I do not believe that they, now it depends the the asking price, but if Nick Chubb has another year this year like he did last year, and if Nick Chubb has a really, really good year on a year that the Browns win 9 to 10 games and make the playoffs, that's going to, and that's going to just up the, the asking price for him at that point. They're going to be in a tough spot. They're going to be in position where they have to pay Baker Mayfield for his second go-round in Cleveland if things go well the final two years. You know, Kareem Hunt, could they afford to keep him around another year? Uh, if things aren't going smooth with the offense, there's no point in keeping OBJ around. So the bottom line is, is you have to go all in right now if you're the Cleveland Browns and assume assume that Baker Mayfield is going to take that next step in year three. You have to assume that Stefanski's offense and his leadership and his stability at the head coach position for the Cleveland Browns for the first time in a long time, you have to assume that that is going to be what is going to allow Baker Mayfield to turn the corner, to take that next step as a franchise quarterback, to lead them not just to improving but to winning and winning at a level of which they make the playoffs and can contend. And if they do that, their window is short. It's two years to win with this group, which means you need to do everything you can to protect your quarterback, and that is Trent Williams. Andrew Thomas, OT out of Georgia? Sure. Just like every other person drafted tonight. <laughs> You're just, not impressed. It's not that I'm not impressed. I'm impressed like if they drafted this type of player in year one of Baker or year two of Baker, I'm like, okay, but this is year three of Baker. This is make or break. You don't have time to potentially take a chance on a position that could impact the flow of your offense. Last year, by the time they realized that the O-line was too bad, that they made a mistake moving on from Zeitler to get that deal done for OBJ, it was too late. There were no possible moves out there for them to make. 
and they almost risked overspending to get Trent Williams at the trade deadline last year, and luckily they stuck to their guns and didn't do so. Bottom line, the number 10 pick, I have no problem if the Browns explore potentially landing Trent Williams for that. Would they be giving up a lot to get him? Absolutely. But I think that it evens out when you look at the amount of time that the Browns have to win, and that's one to two more years before they have to reshuffle the deck and go in a different direction. Mel Kuyper has the New York Jets uh, at number 11, taking the Becton kid, the offensive tackle, out of Louisville. A lot of, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities as far as offensive linemen are concerned in, the, in, in this draft. Number 12, the Raiders taking C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. Another defensive back right there. Mm-hmm. The Raiders have two first-round picks. Their second pick is very interesting coming up around the corner. Okay. It's, it's it's actually one that I'm a huge fan of, if you ask me. The San Francisco 49ers, they have picked number 13. Uh, you look at last year, you have Garoppolo. You know, give him some help as far as wide receiver. They have one of the top tight ends, maybe the best tight end in all of uh, football. Now you give him another weapon, Jerry Judy, wide receiver out of Alabama. I like that. You know, you're yeah. good on defense. Not saying you can't add to it, and you have plenty more picks to do so. But to get a dynamic playmaker like Jerry Judy, who everyone's comparing him to some of the biggest and best wide receivers in NFL history already, not saying that that's who he's going to be, but he could be an immediate impact and a playmaker for a quarterback that definitely needs it. All right, uh, Ron, if you're listening, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock next. Number 14, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. No All way they're that doing... They, no way that happens. They're feeding Brady, feeding Brady, feeding Brady, feeding Brady. It's got to be running back. How confident are you in that defense? Got to be running back. Got to be running back or a defensive playmaker. I see a lot of people today saying that they hope that the Bucks do take J.K. Dobbins. I would be very surprised. But see, this is why like running backs like J.K. Dobbins and others, very, very good players. I think J.K. Dobbins will make an immediate impact wherever he goes. I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to kick ass the second that he steps foot out on the field wherever he goes. But you could say that about a good two to three running backs in every year's draft, which mm-hmm. is why you don't panic and take a running back in the top ten unless you absolutely think that you are a running back away from going another level from a performance standpoint. The Buccaneers, you add a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins, I think that helps the Buccaneers way more than getting another wide receiver in Justin Jefferson, if you ask me. So I'm definitely thinking like A.J. Terrell, cornerback from Clemson, maybe Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma, it's got to be something like that. It's got to be. Like, you don't need another wide receiver. All right, four five seven nine four six four. the Denver Broncos. Number 15, C.D. Lamb, Woo. wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Woo. Love him. Love the him. Denver Broncos, quarterback. Where are they Drew going? Drew Locke, baby. Is he a lock? Drew Locke. Hey, man, look. I would have taken Jordan Love. I'm the Broncos. I look at Jordan Love. I work, happen, but. I work on a hip-hop station, so... Drew Locke listens to a lot of young Jeezy, so I like Drew Locke. Don't take much for me to like somebody nowadays. That's all it takes. That's, it. That's, what it, that's, that's what makes him a lock for you is that. That's simple. Absolutely. Um, uh, the Falcons taking uh, linebacker uh, Kalevon Chasen, if I didn't just mm-hmm. butcher that name, uh, outside linebacker out of LSU. Man, Playmaker. L- man, LSU. It's no damn wonder. they. Yeah, Joe Burrow had a lot to do with it. It's just – it's. I mean, LSU after LSU after LSU. It's unreal how much talent they have in this year's draft. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, Xavier McKinney, safety mm. out of Alabama. That's a need. Um, and the Cowboys, they got worse. They they, they had a bad offseason. They, they, and they still don't know what they're doing. They know, what they're, they know who they want at quarterback, but they don't want that quarterback at the price that he's asking. Uh, I still think that gets figured That's out after the draft. That's the first fair thing you said about Dak in months. Uh, my opinion about him is all based on... 
My opinion about him is strictly based on the amount of money he's asking for. I think it's foolish how much he's asking for. Called, that's why it's called negotiation. But then, but there is no negotiation. That's what he wants, and that's he's not budging. It's called negotiation, man. It's a negotiation. You aim high. High for him is 30. <laughs> Back to normal, Kenner. 32, 32 on the high end. Get him down at 27. Get him at 27. And then, and then put some incentives in there. Hey, when your ass learns how to beat good teams, hey, maybe we'll up another million, you know? Like, hey, for every team you beat above 500, another million. That means he would have made $5 million the last two years. Do you understand that? Do you, do you get that? Do you understand that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Only, I'm serious. It only took once. I should have just let it go. You should have just let it go, I but I, I still don't get it. Five and eleven the last two years against teams five hundred or better. I just that that alone right there. Yeah. That's like in basketball. If you're Carmelo or someone saying, Well, I average twenty eight points a game. Yeah, but your teams all lose when you're on the team. So that's that mindset. It's like, oh but my stats are good. Well, that's great, but you can't win with you. There you go. What what I say that's wrong? No, man. I just I just curious. I, <laughs> just I disagree. Cur- I uh, disagree. That's all. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have 45 picks in the first round. Their number 18 pick, uh, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Okay, I thought they would go linebacker with like somebody like McQueen from LSU or something like that. But okay, here's the pick that I love right here: the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, they got this from Chicago. This is one of those. Uh, picks that they got in the exchange for obviously that you know that average defensive player that they got rid of that they just thought was you know garbage that they put mm-hmm. off to the side uh jordan love the raiders taking a quarterback in the first round i like jordan love we talked about this the other day you don't like this hate that by the way he got and i'm not i like jordan love i think he's gonna be really good but i'm not the one that said the other day when they were doing the player comps patrick mahomes I hate it because you already have Carr on the roster. You just signed, um, drawn a blank. Who did they just sign it off? Did they just sign a quarterback? Yeah, they just signed. Was it the XFL quarterback? No, Oregon. uh, Oh, Mariota. Yeah, Mariota. Just signed Mariota. So you're going to get another quarterback in there, a first round quarterback? Like, wouldn't you try to get like something that you can definitely plug and play? A defensive player, another weapon for your quarterback. Well, what this says that protect your quarterback. Well, if they do draft Jordan Love, they're not in a position to Carr do could a be luxury. traded by Friday. They're and not you, in a luxury position though. And do you go into year three of Gruden with Love battling out with Mariota? But they're not in a position just to all right, we gonna pick this because we can. Like when Kansas City drafted Mahomes, they were picking in the middle of the draft, but they had a luxury of doing that. Like when the Ravens drafted Lamar, it was a luxury pick and turned out to be a great pick. They're not in a luxury position. They need well, who do you take players. at number nineteen if you're the Raiders? Because Jerry, if you add wide receivers to give your, you know, you got your running back last year, one of the best rookie running backs in the NFL. All right, you you need wide receivers, playmakers. Then to kind of you you went out and got uh, Witten, which I don't know what that really means at this point in his career, but. Jerry Judy, Mel Kuyper already has him going to San Fran. Justin, Jeff- Justin Jefferson going to Tampa Bay. C.D. Lamb going to Denver. So the three most elite wide receivers mm-hmm. on the board are off. And I think after that, you're taking a chance on any other position out there anyway. So I see kind of where they're going with this. But they are creating quite the logjam yeah. right there. Because you brought Mariota over to make him your third-string quarterback. 
or you draft a quarterback in the first round to make him your third-string quarterback. Because I say that knowing that Carr, if he's on the roster, he's either starting or second string. There's no way he's your third string. So I don't know, but maybe they'd find a way to move him. You know, maybe he, maybe Carr is gone. I don't know, but that's going to be. So I'm curious whether. But if he doesn't end up, with, end up with the Raiders, I mean, there's Jacksonville right there at number twenty. I mean, if, imagine if Jacksonville lands their franchise quarterback with the twentieth pick in the draft. Good for them if it falls that far. But they're looking to move Fournette, so mm-hmm. that's and that's another team right there, like with the running back that. You have a quality back, and you're looking to move on from him rather than keep him. I'll take him. Uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma, uh, going to the Eagles, number 21. like that. I like that a lot. Uh, it amazes me how many guys from Oklahoma get drafted like in the first three rounds off their def- defense. Off the defense. And they're all horrible on defense. But they always got one guy that's real good. It's, and all I keep watching is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. They're going to see Joe Burrow in their sleep. All right, folks. We'll go through the rest of the Mel Kiper mock draft coming up later on in the broadcast. We didn't even get into where this potential Buckeye could fall. Um, so we'll talk about that coming up around the corner. Uh, 1410 Wing Live. Let's talk some more NFL draft. Solomon Wilcots, former Cincinnati Bengal. We'll discuss all things NFL draft, all things Browns, all things Bengals, all of that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Foundation.org. Live here on ESPN Dayton. Welcome in. This is the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Happy NFL Draft Day. Finally, we are officially here. The NFL Draft kicks off tonight. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, that will finally become official. The Cleveland Browns have the number 10 pick. Will they take, I mean, are they most likely going to draft an offensive tackle there at number 10? I believe that they should take that pick and turn it into Trent Williams. As I've stated, that pick uh, might be an awful lot to give up to get a Trent Williams who's older. But again, if we're talking about the window of, of, of opportunity to win, and I think it's a shorter window than many people, you know, think. I don't think that the Browns will hit a rebuild mode in two years, but I think that they will have a, a you know, a new direction that they will begin going in. Four five seven nine four six four. That's not Ron on hold. Will you? Uh, let's just see who. Who's this on hold? We we didn't get your name. We apologize. What's up? Who, what's your name? This is Ed. Ed, how are you, Ed? What's up, man? Hey, pretty good. I I was just uh, wanting to see. You're in the radio business, so how do they, uh, how long does it take to get the, can you get a, a good uh, rate on an overnight rating, or does it take longer to get the, like the full rating of this this uh, NFL draft tonight? Uh, that will probably be out, man, I do not know. As far as like the TV ratings concerned, you're talking about the overnight rating for for the draft. Yeah. I, I expect it to be uh, a lot. It's always a high rating, anyways, but I expect it to be a lot higher uh, because right now, like, there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, I said this the other day that I didn't want to offend anyone when it came to women's sports. Like the WNBA had like the highest rated draft uh, in the last 16 years because there's just nothing else going on. So people are gravitating towards things that they normally don't tune into. Everyone tunes into the NFL draft. It's going to be a highly rated show to begin with. I just think it's going to be even higher than usual. I expect that rating probably by tomorrow if you ask me what i'll probably do is i know there's two ohio state guys going early so i'll probably check out a little bit there but i'm not gonna since you guys are covering on radio i'll probably just go to you guys i don't have to i'm kind of old school i don't have to physically you know watch these guys get picked you know it's kind of cool watching tape sometimes but yeah do you have a? Um, do you, i mean like 
Look, man, you can follow along on social media, man, Twitter, right. Facebook, any of that stuff. So there you go. Right. But you're right. Look, we know that Chase Young is going to. Uh, Jeff Okuda is going to fall anywhere between three to the Lions to potentially seven, eight, or nine in that range, most likely eight or nine going to Jacksonville. Uh, so I think that, you know, you're right. And then Joe Burrow, if you want to count him, I mean, a former Buckeye, uh, going to go number one overall. It's going to be a fun draft for Buckeye fans and just fans of Ohio players in general. Yeah, and one last thing. I just want to, I think it would be kind of cool if uh, we could see Roger Goodell's garage instead of the basement, see how many uh, uh, luxury cars are there. <laughs> you know, if I had to guess, I guarantee you what they'll do. Uh, I guarantee you what they'll do tonight. They'll pump in booing. Like when Roger Goodell comes up to make the, you know what I mean? Like, right. you know how every year, like, they boo him no matter what, even if they like him or, or you know, trust me, no, the fans do not like Roger Goodell. But, like, right. they'll boo the crap out of him every time. So they won't have a live audience tonight, but I, I'm telling you right now, do not be, they'll pump in booing noises for Roger Goodell just to make him feel at home, maybe. That'd be cool. Know. That would mean he would have a sense of humor, but uh, knowing him, probably not. Right. All right, you guys have a great show, and I'll talk to you later. All right, All man, right. take care. Four five seven nine four six four. All right, so the Cincinnati Bengals uh, have the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Uh, we could finally, uh, you know, stop with all the narratives that were out there that were rotating around that will Joe Burrow. Which, by the way, look, the narrative going around that Joe Burrow maybe wouldn't want to play for Cincinnati, although he had never said that himself. I think it was still a fair narrative to put out there. I think it it wasn't a anti-Bengal thing. I think that a lot of times when you have bad organizations that are picking number one overall, a lot of times that gets asked every year. What if they don't want to go play there? Look, when the Browns had the number one pick two years ago, uh, you know, yes, Baker went to the Browns, but there was talk that year that Sam Darnold would return to USC for one more year to avoid having to play for Cleveland. Like, that happens every year. Cincinnati fans need to stop being so sensitive and act like the world's ganging up on them because as I, I've said this before, this happens every year. All the criticism for the team with the number one overall pick, all the dirt on that organization is being talked about for the months and weeks leading into the draft. And then you know what happens? Then that particular organization drafts that star player and then the coverage moving forward is going to be nothing but hope, opportunity. They finally have a chance to win. The organization is finally seeing light at the end of the tunnel. That happened for the Browns. Folks, the Browns went 0-16. You don't have to like Baker Mayfield. All right? And I'm not asking you to, okay? I'm, I'm done with that. All I'm saying is, is when the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield, if you notice the coverage stopped you know, belittling the Browns and then shifted to he could be the guy that finally takes them where they want to go. And I think that that's Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, don't be upset about the coverage because I think the coverage is going to shift beginning tonight. Joe Burrow to the Bengals to save the day, to take them to where they haven't been in a long, long time. Andy Dalton had his opportunity, had a good stretch with the Bengals. I still think he's going to most likely be with the Bengals. I'll be very surprised um, if they move him tonight. But then again, if they did, good for them. Bottom line is, the Bengals, there's going to be a different feel about the organization after the number one pick is announced tonight. Let's go to Huber Heights. we got Billy. Billy and Huber, it's been a while, man. How are you? All right, man. How are you doing? Good. You back to work? You back to being out and about? Yeah, about back to being out and about. Um, I'm excited, man. I cannot wait for a change of quarterback. I'm so sick of the Andy Dalton there. I'm, I'm just – it's the definition of average at best. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to turn the page and get a new quarterback. But if the Dolphins are offering 5, 18, 26, and 39, there is no way there is one player in this draft that is worth those four picks, in my opinion. They offered four picks? Where did you see that? I didn't know. That's just what I just a couple message boards were saying. They were offering three plus their top second. And also, now I saw this uh, NFL trade rumors that the Dolphins were trying to get the three 
so they could offer the Bengals three and five for one. And that was on NFL trade rumors that they were trying. Now, I don't know how they would get to three without giving up five. If you're the Dolphins, I don't think 18 and 26 is going to get you three. If you, you know what I mean? But yeah. if they're offering something like that and you can walk away with at three and five, then you got to at least really consider that because you're going to get a top offensive tackle and a quarterback instead of just a quarterback. Or maybe even if the Washingtons as dumb as they usually are, maybe you can even get Chase Young at three. Possibly. I My question it. for you as a Bengals fan, would you trust them to make all those picks? No, that's a different story. I trust myself <laughs> to make them, but I don't think I would trust them to make them, to uh, be honest. But, Billy, I mean, you're with that. What's that? Small of a scouting staff, and then who's making the picks? Is it Duke Tobin? Is Duke Tobin making all? I mean, the Bengals front office is a joke, and it's been that way for a long time. But I, I have to say this. At least they went out and spent some money and spent money outside of the team, actually brought in some different players on the defense. That's why I think it's going to be a totally – Offense a heavy draft. They spent all that money on the defense. They have got to get Andy or Andy uh, Joseph protection after they draft Burrow. Like takes two through four to me. If it's all offensive line, I'm super cool with that. See, I'm, I, I and trust me, they have no choice at this point. I love that they spent the 150 mil plus this past offseason. It just it bothered me, and I would be saying this about any team, not just because it's the Bengals. It just bothered me that you, your number one issue, like regardless of whether you have a bad defense or not, if you're going to go draft a quarterback number one overall, your number one priority should be to protect him. I'm just yep. not a fan of relying on building your line in the draft all at once. I would have rather seen some of that yep. 150 mil, you know, go you know go get an offensive totally line, exp- even if they're le- they're not the best offensive, just exp- Experienced offensive linemen that know how to block, even just at average at best, just to give them time to develop some of the guys that they drafted. Uh, but we'll see. I just don't like that they're relying on Jonah Williams living up to what he was supposed to be last year and hoping that whoever they draft this year is enough to protect him because that could be what hurts him next year. I totally agree. I mean, it is a total crapshoot drafting offensive linemen, it seems, lately. With all the spread in college, you don't know how they block You know the different schemes in college. So. I totally agree. I would have liked them to spend more money on the offensive line, but they didn't. So if you're going to help him at all, you've got to draft him. You have no choice in the matter. You've got to pinch a hold there. You better take him in two and three because you don't want to draft offensive line. At least I don't want to see him take a bunch in the fifth, sixth, and seventh because those guys aren't going to be difference makers. They need somebody to come in and start right away on that offensive line. And yeah, and look, it was funny. They spent 150 mil this offseason. I think it was James Rapine with Sports Illustrated put out an article last week that stated uh, they went out and gave the the over under or the uh, how many games they'd be favored to win next year. And it's interesting because the Bengals were only favored to win one game next year, and that's against the Chargers. I don't get how you spend all that money, you go get your quarterback, and still are only favored to win one game next year. Um, I, I I just I I'm more confident Chargers. in their ability to win game against the the. Jaguars, I'm sorry, the Jaguars. Oh, okay. I was going to say the Chargers, wow, that's a, that's a pretty decent team. Well, if Tyrod Taylor's their guy, or a rookie well, Justin true. Herbert, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Andy is the, the like, side. I don't know what they're going to do with Dalton, but they can't, they've they got to do something to get him off this roster because they got $7 million in cap room right now. That's not even enough to sign the rookies. So something's got to happen with Dalton. I don't think you can have a $17 million backup all year. 
Now, and I'm surprised at the amount of people looking at, you know, Solomon Wilcox. I talked to him earlier today, uh, and he said that, look, that he doesn't get why people are so down on the idea of Andy being the backup. It's not Andy being the backup that's the problem. There's many Bengals fans that believe he should be the backup quarterback, but it's the 17 mil that you just alluded to that I just don't think makes sense. Uh, and as cheap as Mike Brown is, I think it would just eat him alive to see his backup be making that much money. Absolutely. So. I, I totally agree with you, man. But tonight's well, a good night. I don't want to focus on the flaws of the team because the bottom line okay. is just like the Browns two years ago, 0-16, a lot of flaws. They addressed some of those in the offseason. And I know you're not a Baker guy, but you have to admit, I think Joe Burrow is to the Bengals what Baker was to the Browns, just that sign of hope and that we feel like we're going in the right direction. That's what makes tonight's draft so significant for the Bengals. Absolutely. Before I off here, if I had to bet money, I don't think they pick at 33. I think they trade down. I don't see the I don't see the Bengals making their second round pick at thirty three. I think you got to trade down and try to get some more picks. They, I mean, they have some holes to fill. Wouldn't surprise me. There's really nothing that. By the way, a shock and all thing. I don't know how much you know how much momentum is being picked up as far as the Joe Mixon you know extension rumors. If you're the Bengals, do you just uh, say, hey, we don't want to get in this conversation at all? Do you entertain the idea of a J.K. Dobbins or a Jonathan Taylor uh, in that second round? Uh, I don't know about the second round. If one of them's there in the third, me personally, I don't care if it's Zeke, AP in his prime, I'm not paying a running back a second contract. Didn't you call last year and yell at me when I, and again, I can't remember. I thought it was you that got mad at me last year when I said the Cowboys should not pay Zeke. No, I don't think so because I would never, me personally, I'm not drafting a running back in the first round and I'm not paying him a second contract. We agree. agree Yeah, I'll, I'll draft one in the second, third, run of the death the first four years, and then on to the next one. Well, I don't mind paying an extension. It's just that that McCaffrey money that that ain't gonna fly for me. That that would it yeah, work for me. But you know that's what you know that's what they're gonna add. You know a back like Mix, he's at least gonna want to be in that ballpark. Ten, at least at ten at the least. You know he yeah, wants double digits a year. So yeah, I'm gonna invest in the offensive line, man. Just like you said, I'm not investing in the running back. Uh, hey, Billy, great hearing from you again. Take care. All right, man. Have a good one. See ya. Four five seven nine four six four. All right, Bengals fans will continue to hear from you throughout. What is the most? I mean, look, Bengals fans, you've had a while to to digest this. You've known for a while uh, that you're going to be taking Joe Burrow number one overall um, tonight. So, with that being said, you know uh, that you're in position to finally be able to sit, tell your friends and bread to your friends that he's officially a Bengal. I feel like because you've known for so long that this is going to be the case, that it's just not as exciting. Maybe I don't know. But four five seven nine four six four Bengals fans, right. I want to hear from you as well as any other fan of any other team out there because I know that there are a lot of teams with question marks including one team that I know just goes out and gets a Tom Brady you go get Gronk there's still some question marks there potentially getting a running back in the first round is that who we have as Ron let's bring on Ron Ron what's up man do you take J.K. Dobbins in that first pick no 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 why I think I think well I think all them running backs will be available in the second round where's the Tampa picking in the second um 45 45 okay and uh, I, I got him. I got him taking that defensive tackle out of South Carolina, Javon Chinlaw. Okay. And uh, I think they can grab a Swift, or if Taylor is gone, they can get a Dobbins at forty-five. I really do. So yeah, they're going to get one. They're going to get one of them. So. Well, they need a running back. This is the draft. I mean, there's a couple good ones there uh, to do it. Um, but no, like, what, what's the defense? Uh, I don't follow the Buccaneers that you know intensely. What's the defense look like for them? What do they need to address there? Well, they, um, safety mainly. I mean, uh, I know that that Simmons kid, he's going to fall, but they said he can play everything. He can play safety, deep corner, linebacker. 
Andy. Uh, but I, I think the main needs, I think Arian said he wants a, a pass catching like a Todd Gurley kind of running back. And uh, all three of them, Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, like at 45, one of them is going to be available. I know it. All right. And so. I, but I do, I do think that they want to, they want to beef up that defensive line, and uh, like they got JPP, they got uh, Peter Villa, they got Dominic and Sue. They, they, they get another big right, tackle so. in there. Do you so, think? But, uh, how, how? I don't know what the money situation like with Tampa is like. You still got Jadavion Clowney floating out there. Jadavion Clowney, you think he takes less money to go to Tampa if he oh, begins man. to feel like that's a place to go win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I would take him. Yeah, but if they, if they could get him for about maybe fifteen, I think they'd sign. And they got some cap space. But I, but in the draft, it's going to be interesting because I know tonight's his first round. So, but I would not. Uh, according to McShay, he's got him taking uh, Swift in the first round. So that's interesting. But well, uh, see, uh, Mel Kuyper's and Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU. There's a lot of LSU in this first round, but that also explains why, obviously, they won the national championship. So there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, I I would be willing to bet Tom Brady's got his he's got uh, Arian's ear open that hey, we need why don't we get this? You know what I mean? Because he's getting what he's wanting right now. So it'll be interesting to see that. But tomorrow I'll call in and give you my opinion on what they got. <laughs> Sounds so, like a plan, man. Hey, no Browns, right? There you go. Every day. It never fails for you, Ron. You take care. Have a good night. We'll talk tomorrow then. All right. Have a good draft. Bye. All right. Four, five, seven, nine, four, uh, six, four. Well, that Buccaneers thing with Tom Brady, that's still like the weirdest thing. That's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, I mean, if the Buccaneers are on with Tom Brady, I mean, it's a lot of star power. I don't know if I'm going to like jump into like, oh, I got to watch the Buccaneers tonight. That sounds weird to say. Um, you will be watching. I just, You'll be I, watching. I defended Tom Brady with the Patriots last year. I thought that he got blamed for a lot of the struggles, even though common sense. He became a victim of the Patriots' own success of winning all those years without the flashy names. Um, So when you win without a lot of flashy names, I think when you look at a roster without flashy names, that's not that good. Everyone's like, well, what the heck? You've been able to do this in the past. I don't think Tom Brady fell off a cliff last year. I just think that the talent on that roster was not as skilled as what it once was in years past. And look, we talked about it. People blaming the Patriots front office. They went out and they got Josh Gordon. That blew up in their face. You got Antonio Brown. That blew up in their face. If Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown stay healthy, Tom Brady has two elite playmakers right there that are probably above what he has played with in the past outside of Randy Moss. So there is that. Let's go to uh, Springfield with Mark. Mark in Springfield, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Uh, great show today. Appreciate it. Yep. What you got for us, man? What, who, what, what fan are you? Who's your team? Uh, well, it's oh boy. <laughs> Bengals. Oh, okay. Me to say it, but all right, here's my observation about the Bengals, and then I got a sleeper in the draft. I think he's a great player. Okay. But I just heard a comment about Andy Dalton, and, and I, I am I totally agree with you. At $17 million, there's no way Mike Brown, as cheap as he is, is going to bring him back. I think you're looking at a trade tonight where the Bengals are going to dangle Dalton out there for some picks. Uh, it only makes sense because I really think the Bengals – and their fans are giving up too quickly on Ryan Finley. Uh, the kid was pretty darn good at NC State. Um, I think he'd be a great backup to Burrow. And you got to trade Dalton for a couple picks. And I think it's going to happen tonight. Um, 
But I, you're, but I don't think Dalton has value. I don't think the value for Dalton is worth more than one pick or even a pick well, remotely close so. to the second round. I mean, I would trust me. My thing is, is why wait till now to move them? Um, the Agreed. time to move them was when free agency started, you know. But I'm with you. If they can get multiple picks, good for them. That that's a win it for is, them. It is scary to think that we haven't kind of moved him before now, but which of course I think is dumb that we haven't. But mm-hmm. um, I do think he has some value if he's given time. He's pretty accurate. Um, he's better than some starters out there, but I, I got to tell you about my sleeper. Okay. Um, and we're going to touch on the Brady thing. Look, Brady, whether he plays for the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Dem- Denver, doesn't matter. He's still very slow. He does. I know he's got a better line in Tampa than he had in New England, but mm-hmm. he still unloads quick. And the guy out there is KJ Hill from Ohio State. He's hey, a gifted slot, gifted cool. slot guy, and he can get downfield as well. So I think KJ Hill would be a great addition to Tampa with Brady. What round do you think that happens? It wouldn't be first. Your team. No, second round. I think KJ's a second rounder. Uh, and see, now I see that if the Bucks choose not to take a wide receiver with their first round pick, and right now they do have the Bucks taking, uh, yep. a, you know, a receiver in the first round. But you're right. That I mean, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Um, that yep. would be. Look, the thing is, there's a lot of athletes, a lot of playmakers, and they're going to have their pick of the litter by the time you get late in the draft. Yeah. Now Jefferson and, and Jeff, uh, Jerry Judy are downfield guys, and I just don't think Tom doesn't have. He just too slow to take that long pass. I mean. He's still looking to get an Edelman-type player, and K.J. Hill, I think, is a treasure. Uh, well, I almost wonder if, if we, if we, maybe we haven't seen an element of Brady's game because he hasn't had those those downfield, you know, weapons. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm not saying he's never had that, but what I mean is, is he's had to rely on guys like Edelman and others who, you know, you know, post routes, and they're not guys that are trying yeah. to beat the D backs down the field. So, if he has those weapons, maybe there's a side of Brady's game that he can kind of resort to that we have not seen during the last couple of years with New England if with he, limited if playmakers. He get the time to throw. Mm-hmm. He get the time to throw. That's going to be key. Uh, that's just, a key for anyone. <laughs> yeah, watch KJ Hill. I think he's great. I think Austin Mack from the Buckeyes is good. And don't sleep on Benjamin Victor from the Buckeyes. I know I'm a Buckeye guy, but man, I liked Austin Mack, but I love KJ Hill, and I think Dobbins would be a great addition somewhere too. Absolutely, man. Hey, That's what I got, guys. Thank you so much for the call, Mark. Take care. See ya. All right, four five seven nine four six four. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of Buckeyes that we're going to potentially be hearing of tonight. Remember the John Calipari effect? <laughs> Here you go again, What What I say? The John Calipari effect. Oh, I got to get my sounders ready, man, for every time you take a shot at the Buckeyes, man. It's, it's, how is that a shot? I told you yesterday, facts are not shots. It's a shot, man. It's not a shot. It's, fa- it's factual. It's a Saturday night at the bar with you, man. Shots, 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 shots. I don't handle shots very well. <laughs> I remember that. Never mind. <laughs> fireball. Fireball, I still, New Year's Eve. I mean, Fireball, I love, I can't do Fireball anymore. Mm. Fireball, I, it, it, New Year's Eve ruined it for me. Just put it that way. Uh, let's go to Tim in Dayton. Tim, what's up, man? How are you? Welcome. Hey, good. How are you? Good. Who's your uh, team? Wonder, uh, I'm a coach, man. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm not real happy about the Phillip Rivers thing, but I mean, if it if it works, it works. I mean, you got a pretty decent running back, you know. Just I'd like to see them get a couple receivers, but I'm wondering why anybody ain't talking about like cornerbacks. And there's some really really good linebackers in a draft that are big and got a lot of speed and agility, you know. And from what I'm seeing coming out, and uh, I haven't really heard anybody talking about them, it's, you know, because you got more of the receivers coming out. You know, it's a year for receivers, I guess, but. You're going to have to have some guys to cover them. I mean, you know, there's going to be some teams that have to pick up some cornerbacks and some of these uh, linebackers on the defensive end. That's key. And the Colts don't have any uh, first-round picks, correct? 
Uh, I don't. I don't believe they do. But they don't have uh, anything in the first round. But look, yeah, you got Philip Rivers. Obviously, you talked about Mac. You got T. Y. Hilton. Uh, you know, Paris Campbell. I, you know, what's they're, they're going to need to add some playmakers. That offensive line is not bad. But you're right. When you start looking at the defense, it's going to have to be those middle guys. Malik Hooker, good secondary guy, good you know safety. They're going to need some linebacker help there. That's for sure. Yeah, they need a little tweaking on the defense. It's not. It's not bad. I mean, it bends a little, but it's not too bad. But. Then, then, then you think they're going to play somebody that they can beat in their division. Then they just drop, you know, go out there and lay an egg, you know. And I, I just don't understand it, whether it's in the play calling or what, you know. Um, I thought Brissett did a decent job with what he had, you know. And, like, T.Y. only shows up when he wants to play, seems like, you know. Um, he gets double covered a lot. I understand that, but... Um, well, the good thing is, is that division is one of the weaker divisions in football. Uh, the Colts, uh, I mean, whether I know people are a little iffy on Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers doesn't have to be an MVP-type uh, quarterback for them to have you know success in that division. The Jacksonville Jaguars looking to get rid of Fournette. All right, the Titans, you know, they've you know they they might be the, that's the team to beat in that division, but I'm still not sold that a full you know season with that quarterback is going to be uh, you know what they expect. I think that they kind of took a chance with the run that they went on last year to bring it back. Houston took a step back. Jaguars taking yeah. a step back. Tennessee, they need to add some key weapons this offseason. We'll see. But the Colts are in, in good good shape heading in to next year. Oh, yeah, I, I believe they are. You know, with the, if they, they just, it's the decision-making that they got to do, you know, on some of this stuff. And then I think they can work it out. And it's not like they're in the division where the Bengals is where you got nine championships between two teams, you know. And I think if they were to build for that, their division, maybe, maybe the Bengals would have a little something, you know, if you get the quarterback. And you put some pieces around him, you know, it could happen. You know, they could change it around. It, it's just, you kind of, kind of, your heart kind of goes out to the Bengals and Browns, teams like that that don't have any winning seasons. You kind of want to want them, you want them to win. You know, you want them to win and be a little bit more competitive. Hey Tim, we, we don't. You don't need to feel sorry for my Browns, man. The, the Browns, the Browns are just fine. You, you worry about your Colts with Philip Rivers. How about that? <laughs> I, I say that. I say that in good reason because I've seen them. I've seen them fight to the death and lose by like one point or something. And it's like, oh man, you know, you had it, you know. And uh, that's why I say that. I mean, I think I think their integrity is in the right spot, and they play tough. And you kind of you kind of want to see them bounce back to like the Kozar days and stuff like that, you know. And um, I just I like to see different teams in the playoffs too, you know, not the same team every year. And I think it just adds a little bit more variety, get more people watching it, more people start getting interested in it, you know. That's why. Absolutely. Hey, Tim, take care. I appreciate the call. Have a great night. All right. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Uh, we've heard from Colts fans. We've heard from obviously Bengals fans. Everyone's ready to go. I'm getting Titan fans message again saying don't, uh, you know, to lay off his team. I want to hear from the Raiders fans out there. We haven't heard from Jerry in a while, man. I Jerry the Raiders. I thought Jerry'd be calling in. All I- I'm curious, Jerry, the Raiders fan, exactly his thoughts on them potentially taking another quarterback. You get Mariota. In this off, past offseason, now they haven't taken Jordan Love with their second first-round pick tonight. Uh, you know, Maybe that's him right there. Who knows? But the bottom line is, is the Raiders, I think that's the most questionable one in Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. Jordan Love going to the Raiders. I like Jordan Love. But... That's a very strange situation. As far as the Titans are concerned, look, Ryan Tannehill, obviously that's their guy. They made the playoffs with him last year. They get to the AFC title game last year. All of that. With that being said, I think that the Titans risk running into what the you know what the Bengals did. Now the Titans have already surpassed what the Bengals did because they won playoff games and they actually made it to the AFC title. Uh, but I, I'm not a fan of teams who get overly attached to an above-average quarterback. And that is who is that? Which one? You we got names all over the place. Yeah, we're, we're jumping today, man. Uh, 
Dustin from Xenia. Dustin and Xenia. We'll go to him. Dustin and Xenia, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, I wanted to say, I've been thinking this for weeks now. Okay. About the uh, Andy Dalton situation. And I know several weeks ago the narrative was out there that the Patriots wanted him and all this and that, and a couple other teams may have showed interest. And then that all came and went, and someone in the media said that Patriots don't want Andy Dalton. Uh, me personally, we all know the Patriots. They never show their hand. Most teams don't, but the Patriots never show their hand. Personally, come Monday, when's this draft all supposed to be done? Sunday? Mm-hmm. Saturday. Saturday, okay. Come Sunday, I would be shocked if Andy Dalton is not on a plane to New England. So not just on a plane in general, but New England, like on a plane to New England. I thought from the beginning that that was the team that made the most sense for him. Now, my only thinking is as to why he's not in New England is I keep thinking that the Bengals are maybe asking for too much in return or something. I'm always used to making them, uh, you, you know, the problem here. But they have to be asking for too much. I don't get why the Patriots are comfortable sitting pat. I don't no, I think Bill Belichick's no. too competitive to tank to get a Trevor Lawrence. So who knows? Hear, hear me out on this. I'll try to make this quick. All right. My good. opinion is... I don't necessarily think they're asking too much, or maybe they were in the Patriots' opinion. But my thinking was that the Patriots have dealt with the Bengals a lot through the years, and it doesn't take dealing with the Bengals to know how they are. Mm -hmm. I think the Patriots were banking on the Bengals letting Andy Dalton walk so they could just pick him up for nothing, okay? That's a good point. If If that doesn't happen, which it looks like it might not, we still don't know. But as of now, it looks like it might not. I think that the Patriots are going to work out some trade, maybe a fourth or fifth round draft pick this weekend. Because I and, and if you keep this in mind also, they got basically a free fourth rounder the other day for Gronk because Gronk was done with them. He wasn't coming back. So that could have been the key to anything. get Dalton. <laughs> yes, they they weren't getting anything for Gronk before when he was on their team. He was done. Now they've got what. Basically, essentially, it comes down to a free fourth-round pick from the Buccaneers, okay? I mean, they're right there. There's a free pick you didn't have before. You can throw that out to the Bengals for a guy like Andy Dalton. And I personally think that Andy Dalton fits the Patriots system really, really well. I, I really do. I think they could still win and maybe even go deep into the postseason with a guy like Andy Dalton. But I'd be shocked, personally, if he doesn't, by the time this is all said and done, end up a Patriot. And even, unfortunately, if the Bengals do make the dumb move and let him walk, the Patriots are going to be the first team to snatch him up, in my opinion. No, that's a good, in fact, you bring up a good point about the Patriots kind of being a little uh, you know, strategic and sitting back and not trying to just jump to get the guy right away. You're right, sitting back they and hoping Mike that they Brown can get him if they release him. Guy yeah. $17 million to sit back there and, and tell Joe Burrow, watch out for the end and the linebacker, they know that Mike Brown doesn't want to do that. <laughs> so they're like, he's going to let him walk out the back door. We just got to be sitting there waiting when he does. My thing is the Patriots don't even have a pick in the second round either. Their first pick is until the third round. Yeah, that that that, that, that changes things, I guess, a little bit. I didn't know that. So, so that could be key I, as well, keeping an eye on that situation as well. So that might be a value in keeping that pick that's just uh, my if that opinion. is the case. So I, I really think Dalton fits them well, and I think they want him. I think Belichick wants him bad, but 
Uh, that's my opinion. You guys uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right, Dustin. Take care. Have a good night, man. Uh, four five seven nine four six three. The Patriots don't have a second round pick either. That's crazy. But what they, I just, I just what, can't see the Patriots giving up anything for Andy Dalton. I think they're. I don't see anybody giving up anything for Andy Dalton because of his contract. I, I just can't see that happening. Yes, uh, he's going to end up on another roster, but I think the Bengals are just going to have to eventually have to cut him. How do the Patriots not have a second round pick? Where Where do their picks go? There's nothing on that roster that they gave up, that they have, that they gave up pieces for. Browns, was it the, the Josh Gordon deal from two years ago? Did they use a late, you know, a second-round pick for him? I, I can't remember what went down there, but bot no, because nothing's showing uh, here. You know, so bottom line is that that's crazy to me that the Patriots do not have anything here in this second round. Very strange. Or the first round. Uh yeah, let's pick up with this again. We haven't even finished Mel Kuyper's mock draft. We didn't even get into Solomon Wilcox. We'll get to him shortly. He joined us earlier today on 1410 Wing Live. Interesting thoughts from Solomon Wilcox on what the Bengals should do. The remainder of the draft, as well as touching on the Cleveland Browns. Number 10, overall pick in the first round. Should they draft the offensive tackle out of Georgia, or should they potentially take that first round? Number 10, overall pick in Williams. We'll get to that next. ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. <laughs> I just saw on Twitter someone say, "How? What would it take for the Dolphins to be able to get the number one pick for the Bengals?" And they said, three first round picks and a vaccine for the coronavirus." <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's what it would take to be able to pry Joe Burrow away um, from the Cincinnati Bengals' hands later tonight. Welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show again. Cincinnati Bengals have the number one pick tonight. Uh, Joe Burrow, of course, uh, we're just waiting to finally hear uh, Joe Burrow's name be announced as the first pick in the draft and going and heading to Cincinnati. I know Bengals fans have been waiting for this for a while. Finally, that glimpse and, uh, of hope and that glimpse of, man, we are we're a lot closer uh, than where we were just even a year ago. 2-14 and 14 last year, not a good year, obviously, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how all of that pans out. With that being said, the Dolphins have been very aggressive in trying to pursue that number one pick. The Dolphins have kind of been like a little mom on it. I mean, we've even had some of their reporters on the show the last couple of weeks just kind of get an idea for what they're looking to do. Uh, I mean, what does that say about Tua? To me, like that, that speaks volumes about Tua, that you are willing to be that aggressive to go get Joe Burrow at number one when you have Tua. Like, the Dolphins have Tua. I mean, there's a chance that, yes, that Detroit could potentially take him, uh, but that's the only threat. The only threat to the Dolphins from getting a quarterback is the is Detroit because I don't think that the Dolphins want Justin Herbert. I think that that's a big loss. When you were tanking for Tua, and then you found out that there's even a better quarterback out there in Joe Burrow, and then you don't get Burrow or Tua, and you end up with Justin Herbert, that's, I, I would take Jordan Love over I would, me personally, I think Jordan Love is a better NFL quarterback long term than Justin Herbert. I don't know why my gut's just telling me that. That's great analysis right here on the Justin Kinner show because my gut said so. Point is, is what does that say about Tua that the that the Dolphins are willing to unload all of their first round picks that they worked hard in acquiring to get a quarterback when you have Tua right there? I think that that should alarm some people in the league. To be honest with you, is it the injury? Is it they just don't believe in him? Is it his size? It's a lot of question marks about it, man. I just feel like you have three first-round picks, and if one of those is Tua, you still have two other picks that are going to help better your team next year. I still think it's a it's more of a gamble to get rid of those picks to go get Joe Burrow. I think that that point, 
You have to win with Joe Burrow, and you have to win right away a lot more. Right. Though there's more pressure on Miami to win with Joe Burrow right away if they got that, if they were able to convince the Bengals to do it, which they they're not going to be able to. But if they did, it just doesn't make sense. There's too many quarterbacks in this draft that the Dolphins could end up with for them to be that foolish to package that many picks to go get Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's good, but I don't think he's worth two first round picks, picks much less three. I mean, they still have. Fitzpatrick, goodness. Uh, so he's always a guy that's going to win you a couple games. Um, perfect bridge guy. I think that's the play. Like, you get a quarterback and you already have somebody there, a starter in the league that can hold it down until your young quarterback is ready. Mm-hmm. And that's. Uh, that's going to be interesting, but that that should bother you. That should bother some fans when it comes to Tua, the Tua defenders, and I was one of them up until today, thinking, man, just how bad, just how low are the Dolphins on Tua? Whenever that they were tanking for Tua to start the season, and now they're trying to give up their three first round picks to not take Tua. Like I feel like the Dolphins are trying too hard to not take Tua when he's basically falling right in their lap, which is who they were trying to position themselves to get all along. Let's go to uh, Will. Will and Dayton, what's up, Will? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, man. What you got for us? Who's your team? What? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Huh? Hey! Finally. I've been waiting to hear from a Steelers fan, man. I swear this might be the first Steelers call I've had in a while. How are you? Black and yellow, black I'm and good, yellow, man. black and yellow. Right. I want to correct you about uh, the Patriots. They got a 23rd pick in the first round. Oh, in the first round. They don't have a second round pick. I don't know why I thought they didn't have a first round. That's uh, called doing your homework. I'm glad you came and called and corrected me on that because that didn't sound right, the Patriots not having a pick in the first or the second. But you are right. Now that I'm looking at the first round, they do not have a pick in the second. But you are right. They do have the pick in the first round. My bad on that. You're probably being uh, hopeful like me and hoping that they were going to be a losing team this year. No, actually, you don't want them to be a losing team because that's how they position themselves to get uh, Trevor Lawrence next year, and that's what you do not want. So. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's going to be a team way worse than them. You want to? Hey, Will. Here's here's my uh, NFL conspiracy theory. Like, and I want there to be a 2020 NFL season. But if there is not, you have to ask yourself. Okay, if there's not an NFL season in 2020, how does the NFL draft for next year work? You can't have the same draft order two years in a row. So what they would probably do is some kind of draft lottery. This would be the greatest way in the world for the NFL to shake things up a little bit. And uh, they randomly select a name out of a hat for the number one overall pick, and it just so happens to be the New England Patriots. I'm telling you, that's where we're going if there's not a season in 2020. <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. Oh. All right, let's see, let's hear it. What, what you, Big Ben? Is he Big Ben or Big Big Ben? You know what? I'm honestly going to say that this is probably going to be Big Ben's last year. I hate to say it, but um, I think we're going to go Jalen Hurts in the second round, though. Yeah. If if they go Jalen Hurts in the second round, that means Big Ben's days are numbered as in maybe one more year. I don't think that they go. They're, they're in that awkward position. You don't want to take a quarterback this year if you have another two to three years of uh, of Big Ben because we're the day and age of having your rookie sit for two or three years, that doesn't happen too often anymore. So I'd be in, I'm interested to see how they how they handle that, to be honest. Yeah, but I'm, I'm scared of him going down because, I mean, Rudolph, that's terrible. <laughs> that, that was the worst. Ugh. I can't watch another year of Rudolph. Uh, you know, I, every time, I still just keep seeing that dang clip between him and Miles Garrett, man. It's just unbelievable. I'm still in shock of what went down that night. <laughs> like, all he had to do was just go his separate way. He didn't get to start nothing. 
So, oh, hold up, hold up. This is interesting. A Pittsburgh fan. So, a Pittsburgh fan is saying he started it. I mean, I got to tell you, from what it looks like, he had to say something for Mouse to go off on him. Uh, I'm not going to say that he said what he, you know, what they're saying he said, mm-hmm. but. You know, you're not about to have a defensive player just want to kick your butt, you know, just for the heck of it. Well, that wasn't even my thing. My thing is something I agree with you was said. I don't know what was said. Something, I mean, had to have been, you know, drawn between the two. But, like, to act like Miles Garrett just went chasing this dude down with the helmet, that's laughable. I mean, clearly, you know, they went back at one another. And when he went back at him, you put yourself in harm's way. I'm not justifying a helmet swing at someone with no helmet. Uh, we don't even need to get right. back into that with the draft tonight. But, holy smokes, that was the first time I've heard a Pittsburgh fan say he started it. So they And you've disappointed yeah, no, my, I mean, you've disappointed Kev. Fan, but, but, hey, I, I love football. The most, period. I just love football, period. But I'm a huge Steelers fan, but... Does the yeah, AFC I mean, North scare you I'm at all? Baltimore, Cleveland? How do you feel about the division? I think that we're going to actually have a really strong division. I think people always count us out. Um, and I just feel like, you know, the division will probably go Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Then I'm going to go Cleveland. And then I'll say Cincinnati's still in the cellar, though. But the only reason why I'm saying that is because Joe Burrow is going to have a He's probably have a tough first year. Yeah, that I mean, and for for the right reasons. If Joe Burrow has a tough first year, it's going to be because they don't have a strong offensive line. Maybe that thing finally gels. I don't understand. I don't. I'm not going to believe that the, all of a sudden, magically, that offensive line is just going to gel whenever you have a good core of the same pieces you've had for the last couple of years. So I don't believe that the Bengals are going to be that much improved from the offensive standpoint if Joe Burrow doesn't have time to throw the ball. Uh, I think that you know Pittsburgh at number two. I think people keep saying Pittsburgh at two because they're not comfortable saying three. But right now, I'm saying Cleveland two. I'm saying Baltimore. One Cleveland, two Baltimore, three. Why are you giving me that look? Why you see Brandon never? Brandon never gave me those looks. Shay never gave me those looks. Why are you giving me those looks? Look, man, it's reasons why the Steelers are going to be number one in the AFC Central. Number, number one. one, yeah. Oh my, we coming back for our crown. Number one, Lamar Jackson is on the cover of Madden. Curse. Oh, good. That means the Browns about to win the AFC North here in 2020. I like it. Two, the Browns going brown. And three, Joe Burrow, a rookie. Steelers will win. Oh, that the rookie AFC excuse Central. ain't no excuse anymore. The AFC Central belongs to the Steelers. Well, the AFC I mean, North. I, I want to agree with that. I do. Then do it. The North. Then do it. The North. You correct me. I'm correcting you. It's always the Central. If we went by paper, Cleveland looks the best. If we went by paper. But we saw what that looked like last year. We beat no. it with Duck Hodges, and, and, baby. Uh, time, 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 time out. Hold on. Let's jump Time out. Let's jump it. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens, man. Ain't no Freddie Kitchens here no more. So you got a roster that was returning from last year that was a very good roster. They've even added more weapons to that roster, and they have adults coaching the team. They're in good hands, man. Look out. Everyone talk about Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, Madden, blah, blah, blah. You focus on that. You go play your video games with the Browns win the AFC North this year. What are we putting on it? A good chuckle. Mm. Put lunch on it. <laughs> Put lunch on it. Hey, yeah, yeah. Pennies. How about I'm that? I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> there we go, Will. <laughs> All right, Will. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Four five seven nine four six four. We'll be back in a moment. Right here on ESPN Dayton, fourteen ten Wing AM. All right, we welcome you back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410. 
Wing AM. Head to wingam.com, click on win the contest up at the top of the page, enter the support local business $1,000 day giveaway, enter Lawn Plus. Lawn Plus is your local business keyword here this hour for you to have a chance to win $1,000. Lawn Plus is the local business keyword. Lawn Plus, enter that at wingam.com. Hour two in the books. We'll go back. We'll get back to taking your calls in hour number three. NFL draft tonight. Bengals fans, how excited are you? I think it's like Bengals fans don't even have to worry. You don't even have to stress. You know, this is just one of those where you just got to be excited. You know what's going to happen, I hope. I'll feel really bad for you if it doesn't. But it's going to happen. I'm even confident that it's going to happen. Joe Burrow will become a Cincinnati Bengal at 8 o'clock uh, tonight when the NFL draft starts. The Cleveland Browns uh, also on the clock. They got the number 10 pick. They got some decisions to make. Are they going to, you know, what are they going to do with that 10th pick? Are they going to draft with that pick? Are they going to use it as leverage to be able to potentially land Trent Williams? I mean, wh- what are they going to do? A lot of question marks there. You know, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, uh, Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, a former Buckeye, obviously known for his championship Heisman winning, you know, historic season at LSU. You, uh, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, there's so many Buckeyes in the conversation as to where they end up. Well, some of those names outside of Okuda and Chase Young. Will there be more Buckeyes announced tonight? We'll find all of that out. All right, hour number three. We'll kick things off with Solomon Wilcots, former Cincinnati Bengal. He joined me earlier today on 1410 Wing Live, our Facebook Live social media show that we do every day now. Um, he was on with me earlier today. We discussed the Bengals uh, moving forward with Joe Burrow. Just how much more improved are they after they spent their $150 million? All right. $150 million. They add Joe Burrow. Whatever else they add in the draft throughout this weekend, just how much more improved are the Bengals and what can we expect from them in year one? What should the Browns do with the number 10 pick? We'll get to all of that coming up with Solomon Wilcox next. For show live here on ESPN Dayton. Off and rolling here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. The NFL draft tonight, the first round, finally, something of a sports element that we've been looking forward to outside of a documentary or a uh, weird cell phone game version of horse and everything else. The NFL draft officially kicks off tonight, the first round. The Cincinnati Bengals have the number one overall pick, projected to take Joe Burrow, which has been the basically the general consensus for quite some time now. So we're looking forward to that tonight. The Browns have the number 10 pick. What should the Browns do with the number 10 pick? The Bengals number one with Joe Burrow. But what about the rest of the draft? What should they address moving forward? And even with the $150 million that they spent this offseason, even with adding Joe Burrow tonight in the first round, and whatever they do tomorrow and Saturday to close out the NFL draft, just how much better and how much more improved have the Bengals uh, made themselves? We're going to talk about that now with, again, Solomon Wilcox, who again joined me earlier today on 1410 Wing Live, our new social media series that you can access on Facebook Live and, of course, on Twitter at 1410 Kenner. Uh, we had Solomon Wilcots on today and Keith Byers. Keith Byers shared uh, his draft day memories, which we'll have that for you later as well. Tomorrow at noon, make sure you are following along on Facebook or following me on Twitter uh, because we will have Marty Brenneman. Marty Brenneman uh, is going to sit down and have a chat with us on 1410 Wing Live, our social media Facebook Live show tomorrow at noon. So make sure you like the station Twitter or the station Facebook page using the search ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Solomon Wilcots, former Bengal, Pro Football Focus. He joined us earlier today on 1410 Wing Live. Here's Solomon Wilcox. 
Solomon, welcome in, sir. How are you? I am doing great and uh, glad to be on with you this morning. Absolutely. Finally, the draft tonight. I know everyone's looking forward to that. I know with everything going on in the world, there's very few things to be excited about. There's the Michael Jordan documentary, of course, and now the NFL draft. That is huge. Just your thoughts on the draft, not just for the Bengals, but teams as a whole heading into tonight. Well, it's a very unique year, right, uh, as we are all in the midst of a quarantine from the COVID-19 virus. But, you know, it's a big day for many of these players who are expecting to hear their names called and their dreams fulfilled by becoming the first-round draft pick on this day. And so, you know, I think we all want to be respectful to them, but we also want to be respectful to the first responders and people who are battling illness and looking to make it back. And so this draft... It's going to be about getting the business done without being so celebratory or with red carpet events. It's about going to work. These 32 teams are trying to make themselves better by making the right pick. And it's a ton of talent at the offensive line position, at the cornerback position, most, most importantly at the wide receiver position. And we've got some quarterbacks who are going to be deserving, not to mention Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa. So uh, I think it's going to be a great day in the NFL today. Uh, reports came out earlier this morning and really should be no surprise at all that the uh, Miami Dolphins really efforted hard to try and trade up to get that number one pick from the Bengals. Uh, of course, the, the Miami Dolphins have three picks in that first round. With that being said, there's some out there that believe, hey, you know, if there's a chance to get maybe potentially two or three of those picks in, in, you know, in exchange for that number one, maybe they should have explored it. I don't believe so. I think Joe Burrow is the right pick for Cincinnati. Which side are you on? The Bengals need Joe Burrow, but was it smart to potentially pass up on multiple first-round draft picks? Yeah, I think we live in a world now where most people say, look, everything has its price. You know, my grandparents, I remember, used to tell us, not everything is for sale. And I think there are certain players that you can't offer up enough to sell players away, depending on where they're at in their career. I think if Dan Marino were coming out today and you had the opportunity to pick him and someone offered you a King's ransom for Marino or for Elway, you would not take it. The Colts regret giving up John Elway and taking all those picks. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are well aware that Joe Burrow had arguably one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football. There's not enough that you could give me if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals to get that player. And, hey, I don't blame the Dolphins for offering up everything to get him. But if I'm the Bengals, no, there's no way I'm doing that. He is the right guy, particularly for this team and this town in Cincinnati being a native uh, of the great state of Ohio. He's going to pack that stadium. They're going to come from every four corner of the state, including the state of Louisiana, right, to pack that stadium. No, Joe Burrow's the player to build around. Quarterbacks are too hard to find all the other positions can be more easily had, but not the quarterback. And if you got that pick and that player's there, you better take them. Now they take, obviously, Joe Burrow with a number one pick, but they still have the quarterback that they've been married to for the past eight seasons and Andy Dalton. What's going on with that situation there? Why is he still on this roster? Should they have moved him by now, or do you believe he could potentially be moved as early as tonight or tomorrow? What if you woke up this morning and, God forbid, anyone could attract, right, the COVID-19 virus? And, and, and Joe Burrow was sick, or Joe Burrow stepped off a curb and tore his Achilles tendon. Mm. What would you do? Oh, well, we traded away our quarterback because we thought we were going to get a quarterback in the draft. We thought we were going to get Joe Burrow. But now Joe Burrow is sick. He's injured or damaged in some kind of way. There are no guarantees. We've been doing the NFL draft for a long time. 
the people who are who are really a part of it, they have heard every scenario, every story. And so you better be careful if you think you're going to get a certain player and you send things packing, but you have yet to secure the player. So, no, that's why you do that. And then after you get Joe Burrow, then you can move Andy Dalton and his $17 million off the books. But not until you have the package in hand. All right, we got Solomon Wilcox with us here, former Cincinnati Bengal here on, again, 1410 Wing Live NFL Draft tonight. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals, even before coming into the draft, have dramatically improved that roster, spending 150 mil plus this offseason alone. You take those additions, the money spent to better the roster, plus the draft, you know, adding Joe Burrow later tonight. Just how much better is this Bengals team going to be heading into 2020? I know there's a lot more pressure on teams to win with rookie quarterbacks more now than you know, decades in the past. I know Peyton Manning uh, said that the advice that he had given to Joe Burrow was that, look, there's a reason that the Bengals uh, are picking number one, just like there was a reason the Colts were picking number one in 98 when they drafted him. I just think there's more pressure on teams to win right away with rookie quarterbacks in today's football. And I'm curious your thoughts on just how much pressure should be on Cincinnati uh, to play this season. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns were bad when they got Baker Mayfield. And you see how hard it is for one player to come in and change a culture all by himself. It just doesn't happen. There's no rookie that's going to walk into a locker room full of grown men and think you're going to change everything just because you showed up. Um, I think the Bengals have put themselves in a better position by overhauling the defense and adding some veteran presence there. They still have an offensive line that I think is is um, below uh, where they want it to be. Um, I would not hesitate to send the second overall pick or that second round pick to the Washington Redskins for Trent Williams. I know the Browns might be interested in Trent Williams with the Redskins, but I would get him and Jonas Williams. I'd play him at right tackle, who was their first round pick from one year ago, but didn't play one down. Bengals still need to invest in this offensive line. And so before you can talk about knocking off the likes of the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, you got to improve your offensive line. I think they're training in the right direction. They're going to get their quarterback. But I think the Browns are an example. I think the Cardinals from a year ago are an example. Just because you take a quarterback with the first overall pick does not automatically make you a winner. And it's funny you mentioned the Cleveland Browns. You mentioned the Trent Williams. There's a lot of talk about you know them potentially pursuing a way to land him. That number 10 pick that they have, is that too much to give up to potentially land him? Is that something they should explore outside of giving up that pick, or is that something they can use as leverage to potentially get that done before the draft tonight? I would not give up the 10th overall pick. I wouldn't give up my first-round pick in the top 10 for a veteran player who has been disgruntled, for a veteran player who said he had a tumor, we uh, yeah I, we really don't know. There's a lot of murkiness surrounding Trent Williams and even the old overall health concerns. So I don't know. I would rather use that top ten pick on one of the talented offensive tackles that are on the board. You've got about five of them to choose from. Not only are you younger, you're going to skew um, and less expensive. Uh, Trent Williams comes in automatically wanting a new contract. Okay, so you've got to rectify that part of it. No, I think the second round pick is going to be, I think, a better price, a better compensation. Uh, I would want Trent Williams on my team, but I would not want to give up the farm to make that happen.
Solomon Wilcott's with us here. And if you have questions you want to send in to the broadcast, leave your comments below, and we'll take a look at those. Uh, real quick, back to the Cincinnati Bengals, because I forgot to touch on this. You know, Joe Mixon, a potential talk of him wanting an extension, a potential holdout. I, you know, I remember last season when the uh, when the Dallas Cowboys were having their back and forth with Zeke with the holdout there. Joe Mixon had sent out a tweet, you know, basically show, expressing his frustrations with, you know, the players not getting paid. And I red flagged that right away saying, hey, that's a sign right there that when it's time for Mixon to get paid, he's going to be looking for that. And as he should, all players should. But with that being said, how do you see that panning out? Do you put Mixon in that category with Zeke and those other top backs in the league that could justify a holdout demanding money? Joe Mixon has not had the continued success um, that Ezekiel Elliott had coming into his fourth season one year ago. Okay. Um, but I do believe the Cowboys have had some buyer's remorse with doing that deal with Zeke because now they can't even get the quarterback signed. I know for a fact the L.A. Rams have had buyer's remorse for the contract they handed over to Todd Gurley. Just this offseason, and I wrote the article for PFF. You can see it on our website at pff.com. The second-best rushing team one year ago were the San Francisco 49ers with a trio of running backs in Raheem Mostert, Kevin Coleman, and Matt Breda. Last year, they paid those three running backs a combined total of $6 million. They had the exact same overall production as Christian McCaffrey. 2,300 all-purpose yards, 19 touchdowns. McCaffrey will now make $16 million going into 2020. And the output was the same as three guys from one year ago that made $6 million. So when you have one player that produces, you got to pay them a ton of money. You have three guys, you can spread that cost among three guys and get the same output. I think the way the league is trending is that you don't sign a running back who can, their value seems to decrease after six years in the NFL. You don't hamstring your salary cap by giving that kind of money to a running back in today's NFL. To attack of Iloa, another interesting name I'll be keeping an eye on coming up later tonight. If you take the health concerns out of the equation, putting him next to Joe Burrow, who are you, if, if you take the health concerns away from Tua and you're comparing him to Joe Burrow, who are you more comfortable drafting if you take all the health concerns out of the equation? You know, see, that if is a false, it's a false narrative, isn't it? To be honest with you. Because you can't. You can't. That's like saying if Joe Burrow couldn't throw the ball as well as he does, how would you grade him? <laughs> well, he, he does throw the ball well. We have to deal in reality. We don't get to create false um, narratives or false environment to make decisions that are going to determine the, the future of a franchise. At the end of the day, he, he does have a health concern, but he's the better player of all those other quarterbacks except for Joe Burrow. Because even given when both were healthy, when LSU and Alabama played, go check it. Um, Joe Burrow outperformed Tua. And Joe Burrow, as we already said, has had the best college football season of any quarterback coming out of the NFL draft. He went through a murderous row of top 10 defenses seven times this past year. By every grade and every metric that we value at PFF, Joe Burrow is ahead of Tua. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's okay. Tua's still a really good player. He still should be the second uh, quarterback to come off the board. Miami Dolphins should not pass on him. And if they've got a parlay, well, you know, those 14 draft picks they have in this year's draft to move up to number three where Detroit is to get him, to keep the Chargers from leapfrogging him, they should do it because Tua is that good. 
He's just going to maybe need some time to make sure he's fully recovered. Um, but I'm not really concerned about that because I think Tua, he has to protect himself better. Uh, but I think he is head and shoulders above Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. All right, good stuff. Again, Solomon Wilcott's good enough to join us here. Last thing as we send you out, the Cincinnati Bengals, they grab Joe Burrow tonight. You look at the AFC North. How are you ranking that division right now from top to bottom, number one to number four? Yeah, he makes them a better football team, but, it, you know, I don't think there's any rookie that takes uh, a team from one position, the bottom of the position, as they were a year ago, with only two wins to the top. Like, there, nobody's walking through that door, right? So, I, I, right now, I, I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens are still number one until somebody beats them. Then it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, then it's the Cleveland Browns, and then the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I know it probably won't end that way. But if you're asking me today on April 23rd, that's where we're at. You have a lot of confidence in Big Ben and his ability to come back and be the Big Ben of old or old Big Ben? I still think he's the best quarterback in the division until someone proves that he isn't. Um, the guys, he's a future Hall of Famer, and he's that for a reason. He has been the best quarterback in the division for quite some time. Um, now, you know, Father Time is undefeated. Well, I think Baker Mayfield is going to be phenomenal this season. I really do believe that. Lamar Jackson plays the game differently. Joe Burrow needs a little more season to, to cast those other guys. But right now it's Big Ben, um, you know, standing on the steps of Canton until someone else catches him. All right, Solomon Wilcox, former Cincinnati Bengal, good enough to join us here on 1410 Wing Live. As we send you out, tell everyone a little bit about PFF and where they can access all that information and a little bit about what you do because you're involved in a lot of different projects. Yeah, I'm working as a senior analyst with Pro Football Focus. It's PFF. And, and of course, it's owned by a former teammate of mine, Chris Collinsworth. And I'm telling you, we're just doing great work. We have a bunch of mathematicians who work as data analysts, and they build models that are highly predictive. It talks about how to build teams in terms of salary cap, who gives you a greater value, wins above replacement, the, the players and the positions that allow you to actually win games and where the money should be spent. We just finished an article that will run on our website at pff.com um, talking about who with defensive backs, uh, who do they consider more difficult to defend, Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, arguably the two best wide receivers in this year's draft class. You want to read that article to figure out who is the best of the two. All right, good stuff. And I'll make sure to share that on my Twitter account as well, at 1410Kenner. Solomon, thank you so much for your time. Enjoyed the draft tonight. I really enjoyed my time with you today. Take care. Yeah, it was great. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, have a great day and enjoy the draft. Take care. Right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner back with you here on the Justin Kinner Show. Happy Thursday, NFL Draft tonight, first round. 8 o'clock on ESPN, ABC, and the NFL Network. Uh, that combined coverage right there in 457-9464. If you want to jump in on the conversation, your call is always welcome. Uh, with that being said, the top the number, the number, top headlines that you're looking at heading into tonight's NFL Draft are what? Uh, I, don't, I do not think that the Cincinnati Bengals are a top headline heading into tonight. I don't think that there's any intrigue. I don't think that there's any mystique there. Um, I, I think that we know who they're going to take. I'm not really interested in what happens at number one. I'm a little intrigued by what the Detroit Lions are going to do at number three. Uh, I'm curious because right now they can go and they can go in quite a few different directions. Uh, they could shock the world and, and decide to maybe go in the direction of potentially taking Tua 
Tagovailoa, number three overall. Um, that would surprise a lot of people, but it shouldn't surprise a lot of people. I think that Tua, if pans out, can definitely be a breath of fresh air in Detroit. Although their quarterback isn't the worst in the world, it's one of those situations where Tua can kind of definitely just be able to provide a breath of fresh air as far as that's concerned. So Detroit, curious what they do. At number three, I'm not really that interested in what the Giants do at number four. They have their quarterback. They have their running back. Uh, it's just going to be the little the, the maintenance work that they're going to have to figure out. The Miami Dolphins definitely interest me because they have the 5, the 18, and the 26 as far as that's concerned here in the first round of the NFL draft. They have been trying to use those picks to give themselves some kind of leverage to potentially try and pry away the number one overall pick away from the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to be able to acquire Joe Burrow. They have been unsuccessful as far as that's concerned. The one point I was trying to make earlier is for those out there, and again, there's not a lot of people, especially around here, everyone's c- completely content, Bengals fans, with taking Joe Burrow over to a tank of Iloa. I do believe that if Tua does not go down at, in, in that game earlier in the year, I'm really curious. Kev, what do you think? Like, if let's say Tua doesn't go down, and let's say, I mean, because he's, he's been banged up in the past, even without that. that main injury that everyone remembers him being carted off the field for his season-ending injury. You take that injury away, what are we talking about here? Are we talking Tua versus Joe? I still think it's Joe, especially because it's the Bengals, because of that whole Ohio thing. It it would just look so bad if the Bengals drafted somebody else Mm -hmm. besides Joe Burrow if someone else was up there to his caliber of quarterback because he is from Ohio. And just, like, the storyline and how you talked about with the fans, like, so hyped, so ready for this. Like, yo, this is going to be Cincinnati's LeBron moment with Cleveland, you know. It was, it's going to be that type of situation. And I just don't see them not pulling the trigger on Joe Burrow if that was the case. But it would be making it so much easier for, you know, like we always talked about, like, with the Dwayne Haskins, with the Redskins, like, that whole situation that was that was top of mind for a second and it finally died down. But like if Tua was actually healthy, I could see them doing that because I mean, you saw Arizona do it last year. Well, like, Kyler Murray totally changed their entire yeah. draft focus, uh, even with going out and getting you know a new head coach that really has not had success as a head coach in years past. Now, with that being said, I, I bring this up because Tua Tagovailoa really fascinates me because. They, you know, Mel Kiper, everyone's mock drafts have the Dolphins taking him at number five. But, I mean, I, I feel like that relationship's already not off to a great start. If you're Tua and you end up in Miami, it's like, man, you know that you have a lot to prove. But I don't feel – I feel like the Dolphins are going to take Tua out of necessity because you're not going to take Justin Herbert and you went through all of that. You unloaded all of those pro bowlers off of your roster to be able to put yourself in position to not compete at a high level – at a level to, to put you in position to have the number one overall picks where you had this slogan of tank for Tua, mm-hmm. all right? And now you don't end up with it. So I, I don't understand why the why the Dolphins are at a point where they are trying to unload multiple first-round picks to get a Joe Burrow because I right. think that Tua is a great, you know, consolation prize. Yeah. Like I feel like that's something that it's like, oh, well, we didn't get Burrow, but we at least got Tua. That's not good enough. Like, they are doing everything they can to get Burrow, and that fascinates me because Tua, to me, still, I think, could play at a high level, and I'm just not one to buy into the injury excuse. Every Joe Burrow can get hurt. Joe Burrow mm-hmm. can be hurt in the first game of the season, and Tua can go on to start all 16 games for the Dolphins. So I'm not a big injury guy as far as using that in the analysis of all of this. However, I do know I get why it's important. I just think that it's very strange to me that the Dolphins are willing to give up that many first-round picks to get a quarterback when the guy that they've been trying to get all along is going to be right there at number five. Use those picks. you got a lot of work to do. I mean, you gave up pro bowlers 
to have these picks. So replace them with guys that are going to be under rookie contracts, high-level guys because you got a ton of first-round picks. So I say stay where you are, draft to a, draft some receivers, draft some playmakers on defense, stay where you are, Dolphins. Someone messaged, I know the two has never played in cold weather. Stop it, man. Stop R- it. Ron just messaged that in. Come on, Ron. Ron just called in. Ron just called in to remind us. He went to the Wayback Machine to remind us about Emmitt Smith holding out for the Cowboys. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, our conversation from earlier about name a running back that got paid that it worked out for. So he had to hit the Wayback Machine to the 90s. Yeah, but at that time, though, running backs were heavily used in the offenses in regards to there were very few Emmett Smiths back then. Right now, there are a lot of, there are a ton of thousand yard backs in the league. Um, and you heard, you know, Solomon Wilcox made a great point. He thought it was foolish of the, the Panthers to give that, you know, to give him 16 million when you can get, spend six million on two backs or three backs and still get that same type of production um so i thought that was an interesting take that he had regarding that as far as that's concerned um but as far as two look the cold weather thing i i'm not a big fan of those arguments for anything like i always hear oh like buckeye fans they love to wave that flag (laughs) oh my goodness oh yeah alabama they're so cool how about they come play over here in ohio do you do realize that if Alabama ever played Ohio State in the regular season and they played at the shoe, it would be in September and it would be hot as hell and your theory would make absolutely zero sense. There would be no, no non-conference game late in the game because Ohio State doesn't schedule like Alabama, right? So they're all their, you know, everything else the rest of the season is conference games. I hate when people use that excuse. I don't think it's a good one because they can't play in the cold. You know why that's a horrible argument? Mine? No, no, not you. Where, where people say, <clears throat> excuse me, hang on. <coughs> oh, there we go. Get this. I'm back. I'm back. I get the hold. On, I gotta get the Clorox wipes. <laughs> yeah, please do. You know why that's a horrible argument? It's because yeah, Ohio in the Midwest we get real cold. We get super cold. But you know when it gets cold here, January, February. You know what's not happening in college football? There's no college football in February. It's basically the same temperature that it is in Ohio that it is in Alabama in October and November. It might be a little colder in Ohio in November, but not much to the point to where these guys get off a bus and all of a sudden just don't know how to function, as if these guys have never owned a jacket or a coat or have never experienced cold weather in their life. Look, I get that theory of that, you know, these kids come from warm weather and they're comfortable playing there. Yeah, I get that, but if that's the case, then how come Urban Meyer and and, and all these college coaches, like, for instance, Ryan Day and, and uh, you know, Urban Meyer, you know how many kids they go and recruit from Florida? You know mm-hmm. how many kids that they get from the warmer weather states that, you know, they leave their comfy warm weather high school, uh, you know, hot weather Friday nights to come play on the chilly Saturdays, and yet they seem to do just fine. So I'm not a big fan of that um, at all. If Tua struggles and, and Joe Burrow doesn't struggle, it's, you know, I don't think it's because of the weather element. And besides, Tua's going to Miami. And Tua, mm-hmm. if he was going to succeed, would succeed in Cincinnati, too, uh, if he was good enough. So that's the bottom line. I, I just don't think that the weather would be why he all of a sudden just wouldn't make it in Cincinnati, um, as far as that's concerned. But four five seven nine four six for the top headlines that you're looking for heading into tonight, where does Jordan Love end up? Uh, I still think that because we're focusing so much on Joe Burrow and we're talking so much about Tua, I, I think that... It's just like a few years ago when we spent all the time talking about Baker Mayfield and all the time talking about Sam Darnold and even sprinkling in um, the other two, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen. While we're focusing on those four, it's Lamar Jackson holding up the MVPs, two, you know, two division championships, holding up the MVP, going to be on the, the Madden cover. 
I think that could be Jordan Love. Well, we're focusing so much on Tua, so much on um, you know Joe Burrow, so much on Justin Herbert. While we're focusing on them, it's going to be Jordan Love that's kind of the one standing up saying, hey, guys, I hope you're uh, having fun over there because I'm over here doing all the winning uh, and potentially being in position to win an MVP early. That's why I don't like when people say, oh, he's a rookie. Oh, you know, Joe Burrow's going to be a rookie. Look, bottom line is, is you're expected to win and play at a high level right away. All right? You look at Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, wins an MVP in year two. Lamar Jackson wins an MVP in year two. You don't, you don't go from average, I don't know anything because I'm a rookie quarterback, to winning an MVP in year two. Right. So it, there, is expe- there are expectations for Joe Burrow to succeed in Cincinnati, period. So I, I don't want to hear no excuses at the end of the year of, oh, he's a rookie. Uh, oh, well, the Bengals, you know, they only won two games the game before. You spent $150 million. All right, you're coming in. You have weapons. If Joe Burrow is not playing at a high level, the Bengals are the reason why, period. Like, there's no excuse for Joe Burrow, period. Lamar Jackson came in as a rookie, had success right off the bat, won the division, playoff two straight seasons, wins an MVP in year two. I'm not saying that the expectation for Joe Burrow is to win an MVP in year two, but let's be clear. You're already setting the precedent that there is not enough first-round picks in the world that are going to be there to pry him away from your hands. That's a pretty strong statement that you are saying he is the guy, and we believe he is just as good as a Patrick Mahomes or impactful as a Lamar Jackson. That's going to be the key moving forward is how people view the Bengals and Joe Burrow moving forward as far as that's concerned. Because they're putting this label and this value in him that he is a Patrick Mahomes type of player, and he better be if that's the case. (laughs) They better protect him. They, but they're already not. They're failing as far as that's concerned. But four five seven nine four six for Bengals fans, I want to hear from you. I, I'm curious. What's your perception of what the Bengals are going to be in 2020 with Joe Burrow? Are you going to give him that rookie year? Because I'm not, and you shouldn't either. We'll discuss when we come back with the Justin Kinner Show next. College football playoffs. Browns, Bengals, Buckeyes, and more. Catch the Keith Fire Show Monday A look at the back half of Mel Kuyper's final mock draft as we head into the first round of the NFL draft coming up just over two hours from now, 8 o'clock. The first round of the NFL draft will officially kick off. Cincinnati Bengals number one on the clock. The, the Cleveland Browns sitting at number 10. Um, we've been through their you know scenarios as to what can happen at number 10 if you are the Cleveland Browns. We've been through some of the more surprising uh, predictions from Mel Kuyper in the back half of his final mock draft, including Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State, going to Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and at first it didn't sound that crazy to me because I'm like, okay, well, if they're not you know married to Carr, but you brought up a good point, Kev, talking about the fact that they just uh, you know signed Marcus Mariota. So now you have Carr, you have Mariota, and now Jordan Love. That's... You know, that's quite the love triangle right there, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, regardless, it's going to be interesting. Don't be surprised. Card could be moved by the end of the weekend. Who knows? If this is the case. I don't think Move take or it. cut. Well, I think it's at a position now where there's so many quarterbacks out there. This is why Andy Dalton could end up being cut. You know, that caller that called earlier that said, oh, that, you know, Go get a couple picks from him. Andy Dalton's not worth a couple picks. Andy That's Dalton, what I'm saying. Andy Dalton may not be worth any picks. And the Patriots know that, which is why the Patriots are just sitting back saying, I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you our second round, which I just learned, or their first round pick. Obviously, they ain't giving that up. They don't have a second round pick. They just acquired the fourth round pick in the trade to the Buccaneers for Gronkowski. Um, that caller a little bit ago that mentioned the Patriots and their stubbornness, too. They know what they're doing. I, I think they're smart. They're not going to give a pick up to the Cincinnati Bengals to get Andy Dalton because they know that the. They know that the Bengals don't have options. There is no... What's another option for Andy Dalton? There's none. Well, he's in the catbird seat. 
because either he stays as the backup and get what seventeen million dollars. But I don't think he's. St- there's no way he's going to. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So if it's that he stays and get the seventeen million, or gets cut and then gets to pick his destination. So yeah, I mean, true, but pick his destination there's only one team that makes sense for him and that's the Patriots I'm not saying no other team possibly the Jaguars Uh, but if the Jaguars find themselves in a position where they can take a Jordan Love like I I still think that if Jordan Love isn't drafted by the Raiders which I still think that's a long shot um, obviously Mel Kuyper has enough intel that would have told him just enough for him to put that down because he feels that strongly about it then fine but if if, you know Jacksonville has the number 20 pick if the Raiders don't take Jordan Love at 19 I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville ends up taking Jordan Love at number 20 not a mention you fan? I, I mean, let's be honest. He, you take away the cool little mustache. You had that cool mustache I last did. week. What I happened? did. I tried to shape it up and messed it up, so I just got rid of it all. Pissed me off. I was so pissed. I had this cool mustache going. I was just trying to clean it up a bit because it was starting to kind of overlap on yeah. the lip, and then I went too far up. And then you could say, oh, I was irate. I was saying every cuss word you could imagine in the book. So I came in all baby face that day. I was like, what the, I hate how I look without, yeah, so anyways. <laughs> um, but no, so you, you, know, you look at the fact that, you know, you look where Jacksonville is. They have the number nine pick and they have the number 20 pick. They're in good shape. Right now, they're projected to take Jeff Okuda number nine overall, according to Bell Kuyper. Jacksonville also has that number 20 pick. They could end up with Jordan Love at 20. So I, I think that's an interesting uh, decision right there. But they have to take jo- Je- uh, Jeff Okuda at number nine because Jeff Okuda will not drop uh, much further back, um, in my opinion, at that point. So Jacksonville could end up being in a position where they might get graded out better than the Dolphins if they get Jordan Love and Jeff Okuda. I think that's a hell of a draft for Jacksonville uh, if they could find a way to pull that off. They got rid of Nick Foles. Nick Foles now with the Bears. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how all of that pans out. So nonetheless, you have Jacksonville at number 20. Number 21, the Eagles, as we talked about, Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. You made a good point earlier. It's funny with as bad as defense, as the as team defenses, as bad as team defenses are in the Big 12, it's amazing to us just how many Big 12 defensive players get taken off the board early in the draft, and that's another example right there. Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray uh, going number 21 to the Eagles, according to Mel Kuyper. Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver out of Alabama, going to Minnesota. Uh, so that's another weapon right there. Uh, again, you lose Diggs, so you yeah, have to be able to replace, replace him. Uh, and this is the draft to do it. But I am surprised that you would take him over, uh, I mean, T. Uh, T Higgins? He's fallen. T. Higgins has went from, we were talking, I remember when we were, uh, not we, but when the season was coming to a close, NFL and college, when we were doing the way too early NFL mock drafts, I mean, they the Cleveland Browns were kicking around the idea of taking T. Higgins. And T. Higgins goes from being picked mid-first round to maybe potentially, depending on how the cards play out, falling out of the first round. Um, but I do find that interesting that Minnesota, who does need a receiver to replace Diggs, uh, gets a Henry Ruggs third wide receiver out of Alabama over T. Higgins. That's an interesting fall for me. That's one of the yeah. bigger drops. But we've Buckeye talked- fans will tell you that he got exposed in that game. Buckeye fans always say that. They think that every time a player has a bad game against them, it's because they exposed them when it could just be a bad game. You know, when Buckeyes play bad against teams, just because they were exposed or just because they weren't ready, it's, we were ready to play. Keep you ready to play every week. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, sure. Anyways, I had to. I had to set you up for that. You one. always do that. Then I, uh, then I get I try to be on my best behavior, and you set me up to fail every time. New England Patriots taking Cesar Ruiz, the guard out of Michigan. So, hey, every once in a while they strike gold out of Michigan. Got a block. Whoever they're blocking for. Um, 
Yeah, so you keep on moving again. Brandon, uh, I can never pronounce it, out of Arizona State wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, I'm assuming. Yeah, I know you talking um, I think this is interesting. Look, the Saints just added um, key wide receivers in this past offseason, key playmakers. Who did they get? Who um, did they get? The, from the Broncos, is, I'm losing my mind. I oh, uh, Manuel Sanders. Manuel Sanders, yes. So, look, that, that's an interesting... I, I'm surprised they're going receiver in the first round right there. Because mm-hmm. you have Michael Thomas, you go get Emmanuel they, Sanders, and now you need another wide receiver? Yeah, Why you would probably we... need somebody in the slot because I know uh, Ted Ginn is no longer with them. He was there, basically their number two. Um, I know... Um, Watson retired, so yeah, they, they, they have probably, some holes to fill. Yeah, they got some holes to fill. I mean, you can't go to the Kamara tree every time. So it's funny too. We just talked about Minnesota Vikings having the number twenty-two pick, taking uh, Henry Ruggs, the third wide receiver out of Alabama, at number twenty-two. They also have the number twenty-five pick, uh, and they're taking Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah, uh, at number twenty-five. The uh, Miami Dolphins, their twenty-sixth and you know final pick in the NFL first round of the draft, uh, their third and final pick in the first round of the NFL draft. They got that from Houston, uh, Josh Jones, offensive tackle, out of Houston. So you know they. Getting some offensive lines, getting some blockers for two or whoever it is that they're going to be blocking for. So, what's their draft look like? I'm confused. So, they took, according to Bell Kuyper, Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. Um, obviously, two attack of Iloa at five. And then, of course, that uh, Kinlaw, the defensive tackle. Does, so, they, they address a lot. They yeah. get a quarterback, they get their starting quarterback, a starting offensive lineman, and a pass rusher. So, interestingly enough, they need a lot of help. But that's a good draft for them. Yes. And I, to be honest, if they gave up all of those to get Joe Burrow, I'm, that's not even I, – I still think that's – you didn't really make your team that much better. This team is dramatically better. If that's the, how the draft unfolds for the Dolphins tonight, your team is dramatically better. Uh, the Dolphins are in better shape. Joe Burrow, I'm sorry, as good as he is, is not worth three first-round picks. He's not worth two. He's not. Uh, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, th- th- they're dumb. I mean, you could – I think the Bengals – I'm not going to say they're dumb for not entertaining the idea of getting two to three, but you would get you would be robbing the Dolphins if you t- actually gave uh, gave up your number one for three first round picks. You would be robbing the Dolphins of that. So the fact that the Dolphins are willing to do that is just foolish to me. I'm still I can't get over that. This is where the draft gets interesting. Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston, going number 26 to Miami. Seattle Seahawks they take T Higgins, wide receiver. Back to back years they take a wide receiver um, again, but that's. This is how you have to do it when you pay Russell Wilson. Yep. That money, like you're not going to be able to afford to go get an OBJ or those type of receivers. You have big to get receivers these guys. too. Um, big receivers. And I think this works out fine. I think T. Higgins in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Uh, you see what they did last. Year? Like I, I think they'll be in good shape with him. Baltimore Ravens at number 28. This is a big pick for them. They always seem to knock it out of the park. Patrick Queens. See that linebacker at LSU that you mentioned <laughs> earlier. See, see. That's what I'm talking about, man. Good organizations, man. Not only do they draft well, but it just seems like that player always ends up falling to them. Well, like Bush to Pittsburgh last year. Yes, sir. I mean, that, and they moved they right up. in front of Cincinnati, too. <laughs> Not that Cincinnati was going to take them. They probably, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst pick in the world if they did. Uh, basically, mainly because the fact that you took Jonah Williams, he didn't play anyways. I mean, Bush would have been Bush would have been a significant upgrade over anything that the Cincinnati Bengals had rolling out on defense last year. Um, but I like Patrick Queen going uh, to out of LSU, going to Baltimore. Just again, that defense, again, that's going to be so key. You got 
Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. You got to find ways to contain him. Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Big Ben now back in Pittsburgh. Yes, you have your quarterback in Lamar Jackson, but it's going to be key to stop those other teams. Mm-hmm. Stop Joe uh, to stop Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. You got to stop Baker Mayfield and Kareem Hunt and Chubb uh, and OBJ. Like there's a lot of things that you have to focus on. You look at the Steelers, although their roster is not as sexy as the other teams in the AFC North. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their schemes alone are what you're going to have to be as bulked up and prepared for as possible. The Tennessee Titans take a defensive end out of Penn State. Uh, I think it's Gross Matos, whatever his name is. Again, I'm horrible at pronouncing names, but regardless, good pick for them. Defensive end, another pass rusher. Uh, I really like what the Titans have going on over there. I'm just not a fan of who they have at quarterback. I think that that's going to be their downfall. I, th- I think that'll be their downfall. They were right to not go back to Mariota. Mariota did not look good enough to just come back and, and take his starting spot back because the Titans started winning um, You know when they switched quarterbacks. They were in a lose-lose position. They went to the AFC Championship with Tannehill uh-huh. and like, all right, now what? Now we're not even picking like midway through the draft. Like we're at the back end of the draft. We got to have a quarterback just in case we don't like any other quarterbacks. So we got to sign them. They had to. They had no other choice. All right, so that brings us to the number 30 pick, the Green Bay Packers. They take a tight end, and this is where, I mean, I saw in the mock draft, again, and Green Bay has like an early pick in the second round, too. I think it's like the third or fourth pick in the second round. Um, Green Bay, for the longest time, was taking Troutman. According to these, Adam Troutman out of UD, Dayton Flyers tight end. We had him on the mm-hmm. show last week. For the longest time, a lot of the mock drafts had the Packers taking Adam Troutman in the second round. And I was like, man, that's huge. Imagine Troutman getting to play with Aaron Rodgers. That, that's a big-time get uh, for the Green Bay Packers. But they're taking Cole Met, the tight end out of Notre Dame, according to Mel Kuyper, mm. with the first-round pick uh, later on Dang. tonight. So uh, I hope not. So we'll see where Troutman ends up, too. I mean, again, we weren't expecting Adam Troutman to go in the first round. It's a weak tight end class, so that obviously increases his chances of being taken the second tight end off the board, hopefully, in the second round. The San Francisco 49ers taking Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, safety cornerback out of Minnesota. And then the number 32 pick, the Kansas City Chiefs. I've seen in multiple drafts where the Kansas City Chiefs take J.K. Dobbins. They do not take J.K. Dobbins. According to Mel Kuyper's final projections, they take Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin. I don't understand the back and forth. I would love to know from an NFL scout what makes Jonathan Taylor versus J.K. Dobbins. Like, which one do you go with? By the way, Jonathan Taylor will kill it with the Chiefs. I have no doubt about yes. it. I'm not mad that <laughs> they're taking you know Jonathan Taylor. I would just have loved to have seen J.K. Dobbins, just that speed guy, be able to play with Patrick Mahomes and Hill and those guys. Um, Taylor fits in fine, but I would have loved to see J.K. Dobbins playing uh, with the Chiefs. Draft, though. This is just a mock draft. Nothing's final. We I don't know what's going to happen. I can't wait for tomorrow, man. <laughs> I cannot wait for tomorrow to get into this draft talk again to see how things unfolded. But J.K. Dobbins slips out of the first round, and the only Buckeyes taken are Chase Young at 2 and uh, Jeff Akuda at 9, according to Mel Kuyper. We're falling off, man. Buckeyes are falling off. Uh, they're just not as strong as they used to be. See, the Urban Meyer era has come and gone. See what you did? See what you did, man, Ryan? Day? Oh, That's man. a big-time joke, folks. Relax. Ryan Day's killing him. You see that? I already got another commit for 2022, you know, 2026. That's all they do, baby. All right, folks. Have a great night. Uh, Tomorrow, make sure you are tuning in, following us on Facebook. I know right now it's all hot and heavy with the NFL, uh, but any chance I have to sit with Marty Brenneman, I'm going to take advantage of that, and don't worry, I'm not going to be sitting with him because, you know, 
Corona. Mm. Uh, but tomorrow on Facebook Live, tune in to our 1410 ESPN Radio Facebook page for 1410 Wing Live. It's our new social media live show. Tune in on our Facebook page as uh, we have a sit-down with Marty Brenneman uh, as he is our guest on tomorrow's show. We had Solomon Wilcox on today. Marty Brenneman will be on tomorrow uh, as we're able to fit him in. So looking forward to talking with the Hall of Famer and now retired Marty Brenneman tomorrow on Facebook Live at noon on our station Facebook page, ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Until tomorrow, this has been the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio. Visit your locally owned Cup Cadet dealer, East Lawn and Garden, and find out how the Ultima Series zero-turn mowers sparked a zero-turn revolution. Engineered to give you the ultimate all-around mowing experience. The Ultima Series delivers next-level comfort and cut quality, as well as superior speed and control. It's all supported by the genuine parts, accessories, and trained service technicians you'll only find at your local Cub Cadet dealer. Test drive the ultimate mowing experience today at East Lawn and Garden, 1632 East Route 36 in Urbana, for expert advice. Superior your service and exceptional offers.